Hi, and welcome to this special edition of the Heart to Heart Walk podcast. In these episodes, we get to hear from everyday people who've done extraordinary things and how sometimes that can be hard on them and their families, which is what this walk is really about. So get ready to hear some amazing stuff from amazing people. Welcome to this Hot Debrief podcast. I'm here in Oruru, South Australia, on the Heart to Heart Walk still, and we bumped into a character the other day that ironically is a friend of a friend of mine, but didn't know it at the time. I'm joined today by Steve Watson, who's a former Army and Air Force member, uh, recently retired. G'day, Steve. G'day, Matt. How you going? Very good, mate. Thanks so much for joining us today uh, and coming into Oruru to catch up for a podcast. I really appreciate the effort you've gone to to come in. No, uh, Matt, uh, appreciate it too. And what you guys are doing with um, uh, Heart to Heart, I think it's amazing. I've got a lot of mates that are, uh, are currently serving uh, first responders. Uh, my father-in-law is a paramedic in Western Sydney. Yeah, um, right. And, yeah, a lot of them are, a lot of them are, um, are hurting. Um, so, yeah, yeah I... I think it's, yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's something that we've found actually uh, with people that stop on the road just to talk to us. And they say, hey, what are you doing? Because they just see, you know, people invest walking. Mm. And it's so often, it's more often than not, they say, oh, yeah, I was an AMBO or I was a copper or I've spent 30 years in the fire brigade or whatever. Uh, or absolutely knows someone that has and and has struggled as a result of it. It's amazing the conversations we've had. Oh yeah, totally. And it's pretty raw what they're what they're dealing with day to day. And yeah. um Ambo, you know, Ambo in Western Sydney, man. Oh yeah. And you're not gonna transfer. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, he's doing everything from sort of uh that Katoomba Richmond area uh-huh. all the way down to um you know Mount Druitt. Yeah. Um and what they what they seen a uh, one you know, twelve-hour shift or eight to twelve-hour shift yeah. is is probably more than a lot of us have seen in a lifetime. Yeah, uh, and they just keep going and That's... going and going. Um, and yeah, they don't they don't have that support uh, like other departments or agencies have. So, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's, there's no doubt about it. That backing up day after day after day for that sort of stuff. I think it. it um, I've I've talked to this about it with a few people, but. I think it actually skews your perception of the whole world when you're normal, like you normalise something that's really not normal. And when you turn up day after day after day at work, that becomes normal. But what you're seeing absolutely isn't. <laughs> oh yeah, and I like I asked my father-in-law, um, and he, and he's still uh, currently uh, serving as a, a, me- a member of the New South Wales Ambulance Service, uh, I, and I asked him how. You know, ask him how his day is and and yeah. what he saw, and yeah, he he compartmentalizes it, and then when he gets home, he just flicks that switch. And I think, um, one day the chickens are going to come home to roost. I, I think after he's been doing it for thirty years, um, but he's he's able to switch himself off. Um, yeah. But you you can tell when you talk to people that you know that. There's only so much I, th- I think the human brain can take yeah. day after day after day, but they're doing an awesome job. Um, they're undermanned like every other department. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a common yeah. story. Mm. Anyway, tell us about yourself. So, uh, what what on earth has brought you up into this virtual desert country in South Australia? So, were, were you originally raised up this way, or um, it's a great question. It's the most 
uh, it's probably the biggest, uh, the most frequent question I get is, is how, how did I end up here? Yeah. Um, I've got family. Uh, you, you were just up at Craddock. I've yeah. got family that yeah. have uh, property uh, about ten, oh, seven to ten k's out of Craddock. Okay. Uh, my mother was born in Hawker, which is oh yeah, yeah. Um, we just had a couple of nights yeah. there too. Yeah. So that's a nice little town, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so I've been coming up here my whole whole life, mainly um, uh, working on the property with my uncle. Um, yeah. My mum used to ship me up here as a kid. She used to send me on the train from <laughs> I was I was born in Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. Um, put me on the train from Melbourne to Adelaide, then catch a bus up to Port Augusta. My uncle would come pick me up from Port Augusta and come wow. in school holidays. And initially she started putting me on the bus and I I wanna say it was when I was about twelve. <laughs> Fair um and she'd do that once a year. Un- un- until I could learn to drive, then I drove over here myself. Yeah, right. Um, but I loved it up here. Yeah. Kept coming up here, and later in life, once I you know went into the workforce, I kept I, uh, I kept coming up here until to a point where um, there was a point in my life where I decided I wanted to uh, live up here. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I really originally wanted to work on the land, but you know you need that corporate sort of knowledge to be able to work up yeah. here with, with stock and livestock and yeah. farming, uh, which I didn't have, so I substituted for a a small business that I could run without, um, you know, having that corporate knowledge of the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually how I started off, actually, after I left school. I started working as a jackaroo out in the central west New South Wales, thinking, you know, I love shooting and, yeah. you know, being outside and all that sort of stuff and uh, thinking, yep, this is the job for me. And I went out there and uh, worked my ass off for a couple of years and quickly realised that, <laughs> I was going to be earning about three hundred dollars a a week for the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> that, that 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 has changed. Like the 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 pay rates have changed, but it was yeah, it was hard work with a, a small wage yeah, for a long that's right. long it's time. A lot of hard work for not a lot yeah. of return, and it's still one of those um, true employment parts in Australia where you you're working pretty hard and you're yeah. working from sun up to sundown. Um, yeah. Yeah, which which people that grew up who grew up with it love it, of course, and still do it. Yeah. Um, but it's probably a hard industry to crack into from cold if you're not. Yeah, that's what I think too. If you've got yeah. family with uh, some holdings, uh, you know, you're, you're able to get started. But yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough to get into it. It's just big assets involved in uh, making money out of that. So. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, did your mum ship you off because uh, you're a rat bag in Melbourne and uh, needed you to go and? Work some of that energy off, or what? Nah, I I wanted to come up here, You're so right. she was just I think just facilitating yeah, uh, cool. what I wanted. Uh, and ba- back in that uh, that period, so I'm talking in the nineties, uh, yeah. uh, very late eighties and nineties. Air- airfares were quite expensive back yeah, then. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us got used to that pre-COVID. You know, you could get a flight to Brisbane for one hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, they, they were they were very expensive back then, and the yeah. roads weren't what they are now as well. So driving interstate in the you know the late eighties and the nineties was a bit of a, a big deal. Where now you've, you you know, don't even think about it. Now, no, do you? don't even think about it. Yeah. Now you just do it. Yeah, that's right. So what? So you did that obviously as a young bloke, and uh, what what did you do after you left school? Uh, I pretty much joined the army straight straight out of school. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, right. I. Graduated from year twelve in uh, December, 
96 and I was at Kapuka doing recruit training in February, March that following year. Right. And that probably was a bit quicker than I thought, but that was the, the process of recruiting at the time. Uh, that just, yeah, happened fairly quick. So, so is military service in your family or? Uh, not really. Uh, my grandfather served in uh, World War Two in the 2nd 27th Battalion, which is in a South, a South Australian battalion um, in New Guinea. Yep. That always interests me. And I, I, I guess I had something in, in the back of my head that um, I'd like I'd like to do a, a period of service in the military. Probably not for the probably not for my whole life, but yeah. partly. But I I never really thought about it a yeah. lot. I, I actually don't, I don't think you overthink stuff when you're like 17 years old. I think you go, hey, I'll give that a crack. Nah. <laughs> and everyone, a lot of people say to me, oh, I must have been, you know, that that drive to serve the community and all that sort of stuff is why you ended up in the cops. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit of it, but I think I just want to go and have a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think I, I know what I wanted. In fact, I don't think I knew what I wanted on probably until I turned about 30. Yeah. Um, I want to actually wanted to join the police and I applied for the police yeah, right. in year 12 and they came back straight away and said, you, you're way too young. You don't have any life experience, right. which is okay. which just Totally fair. Is that Vic Pole? Was it? Or? Yeah, that was yeah. Vic Pole. So yeah. went, I went to school in our western suburbs of Melbourne. Right. And then I thought, oh, I like outdoors. I'll be a park ranger. But you had to go to uni for four years yeah. at the yeah. time. And I was like, I can't. I didn't do very well at school. Right. And I couldn't see myself doing four years of uni. Yeah. And then recruiting came to school. Yeah. And <laughs> I've heard this from other, you know, listening to other yeah. people on other podcasts. Whoever's got the best sell on the day generally, it's, you know, between Army, yeah. Navy, and Air Force, and <laughs> Army had the best sell, right? And yeah, I'd the rest is applied history. For, applied yeah. for Army, and yeah, got Army, and went to recruiting, and said I wanted to be in infantry. And he goes, "Oh, you got three choices." Which, as as people in the Army know, that doesn't mean that you're going to get into that corps. But I, I wrote infantry, infantry, infantry <laughs> on the three choices, and <laughs> this fellow laughed at me and said, "You want to go infantry?" Don't ever write it three times. So yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, went infantry. So what was it like going from your home environment to a place like Kapuka? I, I hated it. Right. Um, the reality didn't hit till the first day I was there. Uh, I went yeah on a bus from. You did do a heap of testing, uh, which I did at uh, Vic Barracks in Melbourne. Yeah, right. Uh, swear your oath. Jumped on the bus. Went to Kapuka and, yeah, didn't – it was a real culture shock for me. <laughs> I think it would be for anyone, yeah. Yeah, one of, one of, one of the, the first memories I've got is as the bus is driving into uh, the base, I'm like, God, this is a really nice base. It's so clean. It's so immaculate. <laughs> and I could see um, young – I didn't know they were recruits, but young fellas with, with their pack webbing – uh, helmet on and a rifle slung and they're pushing lawnmowers going around. I'm like, God, why are they wearing all that gear, <laughs> you know, mowing lawns? It seems a bit you know, inconvenient. And, and The lawn oh, probably didn't need mowing anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I soon found out a week later that that was me and, yeah. yeah the, right. um, I won't call them punishments, I'll call it corrective training, but there yeah, was right, a lot right. of uh, garden maintenance going on. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you got through that all right and then where where'd you end up after there? Um I went to Singleton doing infantry training. Um, I actually joined up as a reservist. 
So yeah, okay. yeah. So we did a we we're doing a a trial program which was called CIT, and I can't remember the C for, stood for, but it was something infantry training. So we we only did six weeks at Kapuka. Okay. Uh, so we did a consolidated. It was a trial to consolidate the course, which was normally uh, twelve weeks, and then went to the School of Infantry. Uh, did uh, another six weeks there of what they call accelerated infantry training. Right. And that was purely at the time they just weren't taking uh, full-time uh, – they weren't recruiting full-time. This is a pre-Timor, pre-9-11. Yeah, uh, okay, peace, ar- peacetime yeah, army. Yeah, peacetime. Yeah. The army was still small. They were still holding on to that uh, ready reserve program, which was a year oh, full-time. Oh, that's time, right. Three, mate, mate of mine from school did that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that were joining up were going to ready reserve, which is a year full-time and three years part-time. And I believe that there was a university – incentive in that program was there yeah right. yeah which might have been subsidized um education okay. in university from from i'm just yeah from memory but yeah did that training and went to a reserve battalion in melbourne um it came out of that and um yeah got bored real quickly and <laughs> ended up you know doing uh at our reserve unit at our depot that we had a full-time uh, warrant officer there that was okay. a training warrant officer and he employed us to do all those shit jobs like doing gardening at the right. depot and so that's yeah. how you spent your Tuesday nights. Well, and, my, and <laughs> he he just put us on days like we're there right. working full weeks just doing yeah just doing shit jobs. Jeez, wow! And you stuck with it? I I did stick with it. I really wanted to get in there and 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 go full time. So I went back to recruiting, and I could I, I couldn't get a position full time. But again, the best seller. Oh, because they weren't. Yeah, they were uh, sort of full. Yeah. So I tried to. I basically not. I tried to re-enlist as such. So I was still a reservist. And it's different nowadays, isn't it? Because they're just screaming for people. So yeah, yeah, they are. Um. So I went to re not, not re-enlist see full-time opportunity and again somebody else gave me at the best sell on the day and it was a an air force guy and he said oh you wanted to go and interest yeah let me infantry army reserve and he's um or well, we're taking people as airfield defense guards okay in the air force which i i hadn't really well i i knew a little bit but hadn't heard too much about it and i was like yeah, I didn't really know much about it. It was very same, same. So what time period are we talking about that uh, this, you stayed this, in this the reserves? Been, well, this would be 98. So I was in res, uh, Army Reserve uh, all of most 97 into 98. And then, yeah, I said, well, I'll do this. I basically left. The, the process is quite different to what it is now, 20, right. you know, 25 years later. Yeah. I basically enlisted fully into the Air Force. I just, just I stopped turning up to Army. Yeah, okay. Didn't hand my ID card in. Didn't do anything. Just left and went and did recruit training in the RAF. In the RAF, right. Yeah, and um, yeah, followed on. I did my recruit training in Ambly and also did an accelerated recruit training with the Air Force. The Air Force was going through the, – the services at the time were going through um, accelerated compressed training. So right. Cutting their courses down, but trying to shove the same amount of content in. Oh god, yeah. So right. it was it was, a, it was a fair information overload, both at Kapuka and then, then doing um, Air Force recruit training. Yeah. Went straight on to initial employment training as an airfield defence guard, but I did an ACL 
on about my f- uh. fourth week there, um, and they medically discharged me. Just like that? Just like that. Hey, there's a cushion there too if you want to put it behind your back. <coughs> I know these uh, these seats are – Oh, no, it's, They it's right. do your back in a bit, so – yeah, she's she's uh, an old nineteen sixty eight van. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's epic. She's got all the comforts of a nineteen sixty eight van. So <laughs> it's actually it's like it, it's like the um, what are they what are they, on Doctor Who the tart like it looks yeah. bigger on the inside than it. Um, yeah, it's actually there's quite a bit of stuff crammed in here. To be honest yeah, with you, I've got a yeah. bed that turns into a lounge, and that's also my storage space. While you, we're you doing staying it. here on your walk? Yeah, I, I am you. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And well, I've got a heater and all sorts of stuff. My in wife would really love yeah. this. Yeah, it's cool. She likes that sort of retro look as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, old girl. Yeah, um, yeah. She's looking after me. So yeah. it's a little bit of home with me, actually. Yeah. I'm, uh, oh, I'm, I'm stoked that I've got it now. I missed, yeah. I missed it because I couldn't take it up into the desert country. Yeah. And we had to leave it at Hawker. So. Didn't get flogged, obviously. No, we left it in a uh, lockup uh, shed there. Oh, uh, okay. One of the Progress Association people oh, had yep. some space for yeah. a bit of the stuff we had to leave behind. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. That's oh, very good. Yeah. So, so with the. Um, Discharge? Did that mean that you could just default back into the army reserve without well, them knowing, sort of thing? Well, or is that how that so works? In a, in a nutshell, yes. So, because I would have just hidden it and got it sorted and went back and said, oh, "I don't know what you're talking you're about." You're in the same thought train as me. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I got sent. You know, I sent back to. So I did. I did this accelerated training uh, in Ambly, in just out of Ipswich in Queensland. Both the, so the recruit training initially was done in Adelaide. They sent their instructors up to Ambly to those right. courses back to back. So yeah, I was discharged, rocked up at the airport back at Melbourne. I was like, hmm, the fuck am I going to do now? What do I do now? <laughs> um, and I still had to have an ACL operation and, yeah. and do all that. So the army being fairly poor with administration at the time had not done anything with my paperwork. So oh, I hadn't right. been discharged. In fact, I went back to the unit and there was a female uh, warrant officer basically going through the books there and getting rid of all the deadwood so people that weren't parading. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I happened to turn back on that turn up on that <laughs> Tuesday night and she actually <laughs> pulled me in and she pulled me in and gave me a spray for not turning up and um, essentially there's no AWOL in reserve but essentially being AWOL and then threw me back into the mix. <laughs> so the, the paperwork was never filled out. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing, right, the Army and Air Force don't really talk to each other Oh, no, there was that much. zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that, that's probably only changed in the last sort of six to seven years with, with that uh, process of that paperwork chain right? Uh, for, for transfers. But at the time, yeah, I just went – I just rolled straight back and started praying and started training again. <laughs> Obviously, I had my ACL issue, yeah. so I – Kept that on the down low, even though it was a defense. I'd, oh, I'd it was a defense it. injury. Yeah. yeah, right, gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, there, yeah. The, the whole DVA injury, there wasn't a thing back then. Right. Now, now, I know it existed, but it's definitely not a process that, I shouldn't say offered, but didn't know anything about it. Yeah. So I went and paid for, well, my parents paid for the operation. Right. Uh, deal of stuff, did the, re- the recovery, and in the meantime, I was still um, attending <laughs> – um, staying ten, current. Yeah, staying, staying current. I was just avoiding doing any PT, basically, that wasn't uh, recovery <laughs> stuff and just slid straight back in. Yeah, good move. Yeah. So uh, how much longer did you stay in the reserves for? 
Well, uh, Timor came up. Basically, as soon as... Uh, what year was that? Was that? Uh, 99. It was 99, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I got myself back in gear, off the, in, off the engine, not back in gear, but yeah, you know, fit again. Got sorted, yeah. Um, then Timor came up, and that, that happened relatively quick. And every everyone was trying to definitely get on that band, yeah. bandwagon. Cause a few was, of the guys on the walk were over there for the first wave too. Yeah, we, we'd had such a – With AFP, that is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as AFP, there was lots of other government agencies yeah. uh, that were that were there. And AFP was pulling people out of state police force yeah. and putting them in yeah. there as well. So, was hoping to get on that bandwagon, but there wasn't a lot of uh, tra- uh, traction happening. Then one uh, Tuesday night, we can't. So, Timor might have been going for. I want to say it was a matter of weeks. Uh, we came in one Tuesday night and said. Uh, where we need numbers to go into another infantry battalion to send them overseas to replace the interfet battalions, essentially. Right. And they were going to take a certain amount from a, a, a three or four battalion, reserve battalions around Australia and we happened to be there, put our hands up and we got our name on the list and wow. got phone calls in a, the following couple of weeks, came in and did a heap of medicals and... and uh, other bits and pieces, and yeah, we got basically uh, were told that we were going to six RAR or six Battalion oh, yeah. Royal Australian Regiment in yeah. in uh, Gallipoli Barracks in Nogra, and yeah, we're going to uh, mixed into a full time battalion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spoke to Dan on this podcast, yeah. who was six RAR. Yeah. I think that's the same. Yeah, and I, I don't understand the re- regiment, but I'm guessing that's the same group. Yeah, yeah, it's the same same battalion, and I listened to. If, I was talking to you about Dan last night. Yeah, yeah. I listened to your podcast with Dan uh, yesterday on the, way, on the way back from Adelaide. I haven't met Dan. I'd never yeah. heard of him. And I hadn't heard of that incident either. But yeah. like I was telling you earlier, I was, a, I was a private in the battalion. The battalion had about six, I want to say 650 odd members. Oh, in it. wow. That's huge. Yeah, right. And you, your world's pretty small when you're a private. Yeah. You know, okay. your, your, your day is just. Day by day. <laughs> Cleaning your weapon, doing what you're told. Yeah, right. Trying to keep out of trouble. Uh, but I hadn't heard of that story. And that, was, that was pretty full on. Yeah. Um, that we had a n- number of vehicle rollovers uh, during that deployment. Over there, did you? Yeah, yeah but right. I, I hadn't heard of uh, that particular one. But, yeah, it was pretty full on. But Yeah. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's got a hell of a story. Oh, it? totally. I'm yeah. su- I, sort of surprised I, I haven't heard of it, That that, that which that's just – we, like I was saying to you earlier, I, I didn't hear a lot of stories of, you know, troops in contact or contacts that happened and other accidents and incidents. Sometimes years later, it just right. wasn't fil- filtered down for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably not good. But, but the team was dispersed all over the country. So oh, we okay. we rarely, Dan mentioned into his, in his uh, podcast with you, the companies, which uh, infantry companies, about 120 dudes we yep. were spread all over the country so we rarely saw yeah okay you might do a quick handover with with another platoon but you there were whole companies that i didn't see for the whole deployment yeah okay so what were you doing there like what what was going on um we took over from the interfet battalion we took over directly from uh five seven hour hour and we were conducting patrolling day and night Half of it was a, a, a presence uh, so the locals could see that 
the UN was still in the country and being uh. active. And the, and the other half, I'd say, I, I won't use the term covert, but it was going back to those traditional infantry minor tactics of patrolling at night. And basically there was still um, there was still militia active in the, the country. Okay. Uh, there were T&I, Indonesian Army, uh, facilitating uh, militia entering the country. Right, right. And in addition to that, we had T&I uh, crossing the border and basically being pests with the locals, uh, shooting cattle. Okay, yeah, right. But sort of, I'd say like trying to sort so of punish, trying to displace punish them, them in a presence. way for, for going independent. So our role was really saturating with patrols along the border. Yeah, okay. And then patrolling, yeah, intelligence-based patrolling with, within the country where, uh, you know, where militia were, were active. And yeah. we did a lot of work doing overwatch of villages and stuff at night to see who was coming in now. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. But it was it was that sort of routine or that grind for the whole six months was yeah. was patrolling day and night or manning checkpoints or vehicle checkpoints or... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. So how long were you over there for? Was that six months deployment? Yeah, or? it was about six and uh, just short of seven months. Okay. So what did you do when you got back? Well, I was tired when I got back. Um, that, so you go back into your reserve unit when you come home? No, or we, did that we, we stayed around. Full time? Well, yeah, we stayed around the battalion for, uh, I want to say, uh, about a month and a half. Then we had a, about a month and a half of leave. We went back and did a, a, a few other administrative things in there. Then went back to our actual reserve infantry battalions. But it was a, it was a big workload. It was a, It was a great deployment. It was what I expected. Um, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. right. We we done and, and Dan uh, Dan mentions other people mentioned their podcast. We we were so in peacetime. We really defaulted to the, that Vietnam era training. In okay. F- in fact, when I joined up, we still had a few, a, a few warrant officers that were that had served in Vietnam, and that deployment really suited Australia. I feel is in the fact that. The enemy was small and lightly armed, two to three-man, four-man groups, lightly right. armed, no fire support, no aircraft, no IED threat, no no oh, very minimal comms. And, and we had the upper hand with our manpower and our equipment. Yeah. But we'd trained for so long in that bush and jungle. Uh, I was going to say the environment would have yeah, been similar Yeah, so, so the environment... Yeah. The, the environment definitely suited us. Yeah. Okay. Um, and now uh, we we didn't we didn't have I would say the modern technology that other like first world armies have. And night vision had just been introduced. It hadn't hadn't been in that long. Like okay. Lasers and stuff on our weapons. But it, I, I think it, it it suited where that where yeah you were yeah at, where we where where, where where we're where we're at so. Yeah. But that was a great deployment. I had great, like, great leadership, which really set me up for success, probably for the rest of um, my life and military service. Yeah, right. We had excellent uh, leadership, excellent uh, commanders, excellent corporals that were running, uh, running our sections, and yeah. So they, leaving that while I was tired because it was a you know, day and night eating rations for majority of that deployment. Oh, God. It probably took a, a month to get back into the swing of right. Real life. Lost a shitload of weight. Yeah. I don't doubt it up there. 
Yeah. So um, coming back home, well, are you still living at home at this stage? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, I was actually. How were your folks with you getting sent over there? Uh, they they didn't want me to go. They in fact they didn't want me to join the army. Yeah, uh, and there's a combination of reasons. Uh, one, I don't believe my dad thought it was a a career or a a, a long term job to be okay. in. And and secondly, just the the danger side of it. Yeah. Uh, my 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 dad's pretty risk adverse, um, so he didn't really you know want to go in harm's way as such. Yeah, but that's the exact reason why a lot of people do join. That's going to say that, they want that actually want to do. Yeah, it, they it? want that element of danger. They want yeah. that element of risk. Yeah, um, which is, I guess, what I wanted at the time yeah. too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's why you put your hand up to go. Yeah, over yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So. What, what did you get up to after you sort of you settled back into Melbourne life and lattes and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, totally. It was it was definitely uh, lattes, clean air, uh, <laughs> good living. I was probably a little bit lost when I got back. I I did. Most of us did get uh, offered to sign on and go full time. I knocked that back, and I don't know. I, I, I still look back on that twenty. 20 odd years later and don't know why I didn't sign up and go like stay full time. Right. Don't know why I did that. Um, went home and just got a, a job in retail and then tried to uh, following that job in retail, tried to start my own, own small business with some other mates in a basically taking corporate, uh, groups, adventure training type, ah, yeah, type things. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we didn't have didn't have any training, didn't have any actual qualifications. Course, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. We, we, and we really tried to, to bumble our way. Keen, f- keen young blokes with skills and off you go. Yeah, yeah. So it was <laughs> another mate of mine who had, who, who had served in the army with um, and then a, a, a civilian mate of mine who was the actual driver behind – uh, doing it, but yeah, we just failed epically. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a also shit. <laughs> that's an honest review. <laughs> yeah, we did we did one one like paid gig near Mount Isa. Oh yeah. So we drove drove all the way there, took all our, our well, equipment, and it would have cost you money, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, getting all the yeah, way. I think there I did not. I did an alternator on the way there as well. So I stopped <laughs> Nile Springs and did that. But we yeah we did a gig in a um. Uh, for a school in an Aboriginal community, and okay. it took on like abseiling and yeah, that type of light stuff. But we, looking back on it, it was so loose. We didn't, like I said, we didn't have any qualifications. <laughs> I can't even remember if we had insurance. Wow. But yeah. you gave it a crack? We gave it a crack, but. Um, <laughs> That's a crook. <laughs> that's cool. That's my introduction to yeah. small business. Well, we're going to get onto the pub story. Yeah, that's a different story soon. But uh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll go, we will get there. And um, yeah, so like, how long did you crack on with that for? Uh, we cracked on with that uh, for about a, I want to say a, a year. Uh, two of us out of the three were working part-time i'd saved a, a, a fair bit of money after that timor trip and so it was li- living off that money oh, yeah. i would I, I would say um myself and another the other ex-army dude uh 
we were doing both doing retail in Melbourne. We were both still doing a lot of reserve time as well to supplement uh, that income. We were on the on the piss a lot. We were yeah. drinking fairly heavily and going out Friday, Saturday night in Melbourne, yeah, uh, right. tearing that up every weekend. So it probably didn't help with the business side of it. <laughs> but you were having fun. Yeah, ha- yeah, having fun. I still would have only been 22, I suppose. Oh, wow. Okay, so that was early days. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Man, I wouldn't have even... I wouldn't have even thought I was capable of running any sort of business at that age. I don't know what <laughs> made me made us think we were capable of doing wow. it either. That's so cool. Yeah. And then another Timor trip came up. So Oh, that's right. Yeah, there was two that two yeah, deployments so, over there, wasn't there? Yeah. Um this one was this one was slightly different to the first one. Instead of being uh spread amongst the battalion, so when I was in 6RR, we might have had 15 reservists within a, a company of 120. Yeah. This this deployment was having a whole rifle company of reservists attached like, attached to the battalion. Right. So having our own leadership, rank structure. All from reserve Yeah, all, 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 yeah, all from okay. reserve. And that was with um, – uh, Five seven battalion in Darwin, so we basically went through a, a, a similar training package. There was a like uh, mission rehearsal, right? Full mission profile cycle plus all the training that was related to that, uh, and went and went to Timor again as a in different uh, yeah, and that was another six months, right. six seven months. Was the, the work over there was very different on the. S- Oh, totally. Later deployments, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah t- totally. The workload was definitely a lot lighter. Yeah. Uh, as in the patrols were smaller. Spent a bit more time in like forward operating bases and as opposed to being out in the field the whole time. Right. Um, it was it was definitely, yeah, it had changed a lot in that time. Yeah. Okay. It suited me though. I didn't want to be. I was got fairly flogged on that first one. So I was going to say I, I, you've, you've I liked done the, that. <laughs> yeah, I like the workload of the, the second deployment. It was it was still. Don't get me wrong. The patrols and everything was still uh, quite difficult and hard. But it was, yeah, probably probably they'd really cut out areas of operation that were active and weren't active, and the non-active okay. ones weren't really patrolled. Yeah. Yeah. So when you. Get back from that. Was it, was your adjustment getting home similar to the first time around, or did you find it easier or harder because you'd been over there longer? Or I actually found it easier because the guys I'd work. So when I when I was in six R R in Brisbane, it was a heavily Queensland based battalion. Right. So when that deployment ended, everyone was full time. Went back to you know uh, normal soldiering and the reservists either left um, and went back to our daily lives. And we were spread all around Australia. Right. The platoon I went over with uh, to 5-7 were all from Melbourne. Oh, right. Um, which brought us we, – we were a closer – I was going to say, that would have been good cohesion for you Yeah, guys. I definitely. Yeah. And that decompression, I guess, after the deployment. Oh, of course, because you're all going we're, home. We're, yeah. So we're all hanging out. So yeah. I, I made a set of friends that I'm still friends with today. Okay. On that deployment, we and we still hang out, and we just tore it up when we got back on the pitch. We just went real hard. 
and because we were all from the same area um, and the same, back into the same reserve units, back into that same grind, yeah. I moved in into a, an apartment in Brunswick with uh, a mate of mine that had been in the, the same company and then we were hanging out with those guys, again, tearing it up, yeah, getting right. on the piss. The smarter ones went back to work and were banking their money. They were li- living, <laughs> off, living off our... Our money and just and, and got and just got back on. So which it. one were you? I was the one that was living off my money and <laughs> yeah. yeah. So is this the coffee connection? The guys from he Three was, Zeros yeah, Coffee. Yeah, Andrew from Three Zeros. He he was he was one of the dudes, but he 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 was smarter than uh, myself anyway. He he went back to back to work and and tore it up on the weekends. Yeah, right. Um, which which a lot of the, uh, a lot of the guys did, and most of the guys when we came back, actually a lot of them joined the police, Victoria Police. Yeah. That was probably the most common one, Victoria Police, and then um, the Metropolitan Fire Brigade, so the MFB okay. at the time. It's such a common story because, like you mentioning that you put put in for the cops and then ended up going down the military path. So many of my friends that did join the cops or fire brigade or whatever, all went through that decision point where they're going, oh, I wonder, should I join the military or the police or whatever? And then you also hear the same story of people coming out of defence going, oh, yeah. I'll just join the cops now. Yeah. And yeah. We, we, it, being a reserve, you know, there were a, a large portion of reservists that were first responders. Already? Already. Yeah, yeah. okay. And yeah. a lot of our sergeants were, were police okay. or fire brigade. Yeah. And that I, – I, You'd go in the booze and they'd, they'd tell a lot of, you know, s- stories. Yeah. And I think that that got a lot of people in. So the recruiting for Victoria Police was the people that were already in there. Yeah, right. Um, and this is before the days of iPhones and... Yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, they had some really cool stories yeah. from, you know, the 80s and the 90s. and The and day. The, the day. <laughs> and you'd hang off there because they were telling some hilarious stories yeah. that wouldn't be sat these days, but that, that's that's what, what that's it was. That's what it was. That's what yeah. it was back then. Um, yeah, and, and, and yeah, a lot of a lot of those guys joined the police. Yeah. Yeah, so just for background, the the, uh, the trip we're on, uh, and I'm very lucky to have some support from the Three Zeros Coffee guys keeping this yeah. little old van fueled, and I've got – Good stash of bags of beans yep. up in the cupboard up there from those guys, and I appreciate it. Uh, three Zeros Coffee, get some there. And uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, that's uh, I actually um, sent him a thing to say, hey, I'm traveling through this area, and I'd spoken to the publican at Craddock and yeah, said, hey, uh, yeah. where do you get your beans from? Because um, they they had a look at the van and it's got stickers on it, and uh, we were talking about coffee beans and. I just happened to send them a message and say, oh, you know, here I'll, I'll just let you know I gave gave you guys uh, some of your product to the to the Craddock Hotel uh, staff, and they said, oh, my mate runs the pub just down the road, and it's like you're joking me. That's where we're staying tonight. So that's that's the the link that came up out of the blue. Um, yeah, we're going to start. Uh, I own a pub now, yeah. which is yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're at forty k's from uh, Craddock, two small towns that not many, a lot of people, including people in South Australia, wouldn't have heard of. Wouldn't have even heard of. But yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're we're gonna switch to three zeros as well. So yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll get to your pub soon, but there's a bit of a bit of uh, a gap in the middle where we're at at the moment. So, what did you do after you were tearing the town up in Melbourne and 
probably run out of money, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I. <laughs> That's the common story at that age. I ran. Out of, I, was, I, I went back and did a bit of retail work, but I'm definitely not a retail salesman. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm hopeless. Yeah, um, right. Did a few, did that and a few other small jobs. Went to a warehouse and was packing in cold storage and yeah, like yeah, yeah. Big puffy jacket packing boxes. Good job in summer. Yeah, good, <laughs> good money, but yeah, shit work. Yeah. Um. Yeah, was getting to a point. Yeah, I'm I'm running out of money. I I I need to do need to do something. Um, and it, I happened to run into a a friend of mine just just by chance that was a officer in the army uh, in North Force, uh, Northwest Mobile oh, yeah, right. Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was going, dude, you should come over to WA and do some work with us, and we, you know we put you on a full time service contract. Do those. So Northwest Mobile Force is a reserve unit, um, part of the RFSU, which is the regional force surveillance unit. So they're all coastal surveillance. Yeah, and patrol up and yeah, down. Patrolling. Just looking for, yeah, patrolling. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Uh, and at, at the time, it was <coughs> a heavily uh, – well, it was focused on three things. The first one was um, boat people interdiction yeah. uh, in conjunction with the Navy. Uh, then poaching. Ah, so people okay. poaching – uh, Australian so Indonesian fishing boats and stuff. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Um, Australian wildlife, uh, and that sometimes that, oh, was, that, right. that was internally done by Australians themselves, and they were selling it. And the third uh, part was assisting the AFP and Navy with drug interdiction okay. coming to the country. It didn't take him long to sell me the um, <laughs> sell me the sell me the gig because I was in I was in a bit of I'll you're in a puffer suit in a cold room yeah. having this chat and going and, and I, I got to get out of and here and work in retail, <laughs> um, yeah. So I jumped in my Ute, so back to full time, drove from Melbourne to to Broome in WA. Wow, uh, you know, from one side of the country to the other, it's a long drive. Yeah, literally, that is, isn't it? Yeah, yes, that's in a straight line, opposite. Um. Yeah, got there and started, yeah, working there, which 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 was great, right? Which which was excellent. And Broome in early two thousands was different to what it is now, right? Uh, it was it was it was expensive at the time. It was a dollar for a tomato, which I thought Whoa. was a lot for a tomato back then. Yeah, uh, but the work was yeah really really good. Really good workload. So, what what does that work look like? Are you driving or in boats or walking or what are you doing? Yeah, well, it's a com- combination of both. So, you do mobility courses, which are uh, vehicle work and vehicle recovery. So, during the dry season, it's it's mainly vehicle work, right? And then during the wet season, it's it's all boat work. Boats, right? Just because yeah. a lot of the roads, like the Gib River Road, a lot of those roads um, in that shut. northern quarter, yeah. 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 And we tried using vehicles several times and it was just a yeah, waste yeah. of time. Yeah. So we'd insert Navy landing uh, landing craft would insert us in inflatable boats and we would go and set up observation posts. Oh, pilots. okay. And you'd, you'd yeah. sit there for a bit. And, yeah, yeah right. sit there for a week to 10 days. And we'd have a, we'd have a, a, like a mission. We'd be always working in conjunction with another a government agency, whether it was Aquas at the time, Australian Quarantine, yeah, uh, so it was federal police. Um, it was and, quite targeted work. Oh then. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was to- to- it was intelligence-driven, yeah. uh, targeted work. I, I remember one uh, one job we got was um, conducting an observation post on an airfield where they had black flights coming in. 
Oh, right. From Indonesia, bringing drugs and other stuff. So we'd sit there on behalf of the AFP, AFP and, yeah, and right. watch it. But we had no powers of arrest or anything. Yeah, yeah. That was a real sort of, I wouldn't call it a grey area, but we actually, I'm, I was never a part of a, a, a team or patrol a, 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 that actually caught anyone. And I don't really, looking back, I'm not sure what we would have done. We, <laughs> yeah, we have zero powers. So of, you're no, still armed? Like are you still carrying your normal yeah, rifles we're, we're and armed. all that sort of stuff? Or? Yeah, we're armed. But don't want to say it was for show, but it yeah. was... More for sure. We on the coastal. You were never going to use them. Oh no! On the on yeah. the coastal uh, patrols, we'd carry one magazine of live ammunition, but that was purely for crocodiles. Ah, uh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and survival. Yeah. So if you, yeah. if you got lost, you know, you could shoot yeah. an animal and skin it and eat it. Knock a couple of buffalo off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the the main one was actually crocodiles. So we'd yeah, have, right. We'd have a magazine with white tape wrapped around it, and that that wasn't carried on the weapon usually it was in a pouch right and yeah we do our thing yeah 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 right wow so that how was that a normal deployment like six months sort of thing or no nah, they, they, they were very short you you'd you'd from memory it was about a three week cycle so you do a, a 10 day lead up which was your basically conducting rehearsals of your insertion method, whether it be vehicle stuff or boat stuff, get your head back in the game with, you know, outboards, boats, yep. assembling, disassembling, troubleshooting, and then the same with the vehicles. Yeah. Troubleshooting, okay. servicing, few rehearsals and drills, getting briefs, intelligence brief. Then you'd be inserted, um, then you'd be extracted, debrief, yep. and then you'd go back to doing well, I was only doing norm force, but other guys would go straight back to work. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I right. actually had a, my patrol commander at the time worked for ABC Radio in Broome, and he was back on wow. that back on that Monday, back com- on the radio, commentating on yeah <laughs> voice of, uh, voice of the Kimberley. <laughs> wow, that's a contrasting moment in time for that person. Yeah, yeah, he, a, had a, a, he had a really good radio voice. Yeah, right. I'm not right. sure if he's still uh, still doing it. He'll probably critique this if he ever comes across it. Give you some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Voice of the voice of the Kimberley. Voice of the Kimberley. Yeah, right. So after Norforce, your involvement in that, where where did you end up? You're still lost in life, right? Yeah. And how old are you at this point? I want to say I was about twenty five. Yeah. Twenty six. Um. Yeah, basically came back to Melbourne. Uh, after that time, that that work sort of started drying drying up. Yeah, um, went back to Melbourne, slid back probably into that realm of tearing it up yeah, on a Friday okay. Saturday night. You're all cashed up from your deployment. Yeah, cashed up. But but I worked full time. I, I, I had a friend who was ex army that started a business. Yeah, uh, and I started working for working for him. Uh, and, and that itself is probably that's its own podcast or story as well. <laughs> that, that was a very interesting couple couple of years, and I, I learnt a shitload of. It was a different side of business. I was doing a bit of product development management, so it was different to that right. retail side. In what sector? Um, it was defence and police. It was manufacturing equipment for okay uh, first responders, emergency services. Um. And defence. So nine eleven had happened during that. Which is a bit more interesting than uh, cool rooms and stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah totally. Um, and I, 
9-11 it happened prior to that. So so what were you doing when that actually happened? Well, I was in I was listening to one of your podcasts where you asked some that some that. I was actually in an army boozer. Oh, serious on, on the piss when 9-11 went down at night. And it was on the TV in the background. And then one of the fellas pointed out and said, hey, well, what's going on here? And we ended up, ended up spending the whole yeah. night and early day watching that on TV and drinking beers, thinking we were going to war. Yeah, right. I bet I was going to say, in that environment, you'd be jumping straight to that yeah. conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, we we just assumed that this was it was going to be all at war. Yeah. Um, like everyone, the like first it, one like, hits and you go, oh, that's a terrible tragedy. And the second one hits and you go, oh, that's yeah. different. Yeah. When they switched to it being about <coughs> about terrorism as opposed to being an accident, yeah, it was that big and it's that big a deal. We just thought it, it's on. Yeah. And, it, you know, admittedly, I don't know if this is the right thing to think, but we were sort of excited. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but as it turns out, it was a, there was a huge delay between that incident finding the threat and then – you know, later in the 2000s doing those actual deployments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. But, yeah, I worked, 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 worked for this company in Melbourne. That was really cool. Worked with a really good dude who was running it. Um, and I guess where the link is there with that company I was working for, other, other government agencies, federal police, they were standing up teams and they were getting a lot of money. They were getting a lot of money after yeah. 9-11. Oh, yeah. So yeah. the air marshal <laughs> program. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a there's a federal police deployment force that was deploying about 100. They went to 100 blokes that went to, to like the Solomon, Solomons, not just blokes, but yeah, guys and girls, um, to the Solomons and I think back to Timor. Yeah. And also the army had this influx of money. Special forces was growing. Yeah. So it was a, it was a growth industry. Yeah. There was a lot of money going around. So we were pretty busy. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, right. So, what what did you? Where where did that take you? Did you uh, sort of work wise and and living wise. Uh, I was I was li- living with a. I had a girlfriend at the time. Was living with her. Um, S- still based out of Melbourne. Yeah, still based yeah, yeah. out of Melbourne. I was working yeah. working initially in the city, uh, then in Coburg out of Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. Um, living with my girlfriend, she was crazy. <laughs> Um, hanging out with the same dudes from that five seven trip, and okay. they're, they're all well into the cops now. So that they'd yeah right. they're, they're now into their third fourth year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the fire brigade. So, but we were still all hanging out. We're all still pretty tight. Yeah, right. Um, still tearing up. The not not many of us had I would call steady relationships at the time. Yeah, that was product probably a product of our environment though as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, hanging with hanging with the same dudes. And I was I was probably probably still a little bit lost where I where I was at. I was sort of going to my mid uh, mid to lateish twenties. Yeah, uh, there was a lot going on in the world at the time as well. So, Timor happened again. We pulled out of Timor, then ended up going back in there. Yeah. Um, so did you go back to Timor again? No, I did those two deployments, but uh, didn't go back in again. They didn't because I was still in reserves. They they weren't. The battalions had grown. To go to go back a step, when we first went over six RAR, that battalion was quite small. There were only two companies uh, out of the five that were operating. Yeah. Uh, so that they just they just the, the battalions had grown. They just didn't need that influx of manpower. 
at that time. Yeah, so I was still doing reserves, but yeah, working what I'd call stable in a in a yeah. in a what I'd call a normal job, but still uh, not really knowing where I was at, and yeah. still tearing up on a Friday Saturday night. Still a night. young bloke though. Yeah, 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 having a good time. Yeah. So where did uh, where did life take you after that? Well, sort of think some things in life go full circle, but I end up running into a um, an. An acquaintance of mine who ended up sort of becoming a mate who was a was a cop as well, and he'd been in that uh, army infantry battalion, reserve infantry battalion, and he'd transferred from the army to an airfield defence guard in the RAF as a reservist. And I ran into him on the on the piss on a Friday night in Melbourne, um, and he said, "You should, you know, we're." They were trying to poach guys out of the army to fill their their units at the time, yeah. and they were sending reservists to the Middle East. Yeah, right. and I went home that night, thought about that, and I thought that's where I want to be. And the other thing was, I I, I felt like I'd unfinished business with with the Air Force, so I'd, I'd yeah. attempted to join that. Uh, well, was ten years earlier. Yeah, so that's ten years yeah, ago. This so this, yeah, this is this is oh right. eight now. You're right, and I had unfinished business with that. So I took them up on their offer. They were really uh, very... Because yeah, they, they would have been building then pretty... Yeah. Like, and they, yeah. yeah, and their, their process and their paperwork was very slick. So I sort of thought, oh, it'd be something that wouldn't come off. But I got, like, you know, at the paperwork in the mail and within, I, I suppose five, six months, I transferred over from an Army Reserve unit into an Air Force Reserve Squadron, yep. uh, which at the time was this squadron had a an element, like a platoon-size element at, at RAF Base Laverton uh, in Western Melbourne, transferred there. Yep. So that that particular guy, I'll just call him, call him Sean, who he's still, a, he's still a police officer, yeah, really good dude, and, yeah, he sort of got me across. Right. Yeah. So, what was that like compared to the army? So, did you, you would have had to do an, uh, like an another initial. Yeah, I did, I had to do a heap of bridging courses, which were, were standard courses yeah. for airfield defence guards or adjies. Um But I I, I I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of shooting. Right. Uh, they had a, a large budget for a very small uh, element of the RAF. Okay. The their training was similar uh, to Army Infantry training, so it was very easy to – all the publications and doctrine were very similar or we used – Similar to what you've been doing for oh, years. Oh, yeah, and we yeah. All, all the publications that we were using were, were actually Army. Okay, yeah. So that 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 was, I guess, an easy transition. But so the, tell me one thing. Was the RAF a better organisation than the Army as an organisation? Because it seems like it would be. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're different. And I don't want to – I don't want to – Sling mud, or because yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very passionate about the, both the army and yeah, the RAF, yeah. and I, I, I'd, I'd like. They to, all seem to attack each other, and I'm, well, I'm just, I've never been part of any of them. So I look at it and go, if I have my pick, it'll be Air Force. Well, <laughs> we, Adjis or Air Force Defence Guard, and this, this is, this is probably a whole podcast. And so we were the, I believe, we we're probably the most hated element in defence. Really? Yeah, army hated us. Uh, the, the RAF hated us, and a lot of people in our own job hated us. And that, that there's, I could talk about that. Why for is it. that? Well, 
the army did didn't like us emotionally because they thought we'll be in try hard infantry. Okay. Um, and you probably had a bigger budget. We had a bigger bigger for what yeah, you were we doing, definitely had you? a bigger budget, but we had such a smaller element, so yeah. it was um yeah, we probably had the same amount as amount as funding as an infantry battalion for, you know, two hundred dudes. Right, okay. Uh the the RAF didn't like us because, you know, we we we'd probably some guys in the past that uh, we conducted all the ground defense, sort of ground combat and firearms training for the for the whole air force, and uh, there were there were a few, I don't want to say rotten eggs, but a few people that sort of got to their head that sort of level of, well, maybe to them as a level of power or power trip, and that 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 influenced some of those officers that end no, up run, running the attitude. air force. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And we maintained a. I guess a level of discipline similar to an infantry battalion or an infantry unit, where the RAF, as a whole, uh, it's it's a different organisation to the army, so they, they don't have that regimentality that yeah. the army has. Yeah. Now we we had that regimentality in, in the airfield defence squadrons, uh, and we you know we we're sort of proud of that regimentality, but the, the rest of the air force didn't, and so that was a rub point. Right. That was a real rub point. Because I'd say the rest of the the air force is r- relaxed to a degree. Okay, comparative it's, to the army. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it, right. You know, it, except for the high end, uh, but but it was, it was definitely more relaxed. Yeah, and that rubbed people up the wrong way within air force. Okay. Um. Yeah, but it was it was it was the closest similar aspect. I guess element to the army that there was at the time. Yeah, right. And I could that, like I said, that's its own podcast. Yeah, I was going to say we probably don't have time no, to explore no, that one no, today. No, that, that's, that's its own element. But Every time uh, you get defence people talking about internal stuff, it, oh, it's such a big story. We, we are <laughs> we are so ruthless against each other. You seem um, like it, yeah. And and once you get out, you, you yeah, we, we're pretty. Uh, we definitely have got that Aussie thing where we take the piss out of each other. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I guess is more fun, but we are pretty ruthless about our yeah. organisation. Actually, someone, uh, uh, I think it might have been, it could have even been Dan, actually, because uh, Dan and I spent a lot of time together because we were both at the same, yeah. um, doing the same treatment, yep. basically. So I used to every week spend a couple of hours with him, so I got to know him pretty well. But I'm pretty sure it was Dan that mentioned that the emergency services world is so different to the defence world because, as he said, he said, if, if you're a copper and you bump into an Ambo in a coffee shop, you're like, hey, how you going? What's happening today? Yeah, and you have yeah. a chat. Whereas if you had an army guy bump into a Navy guy at a coffee shop, they'd scoff at each other and stare each other down and wouldn't speak and would walk out. <laughs> yeah, there's still uh, – uh, yeah. uh, Anzac Day this year, some army dudes – they clearly worked out Air Force wouldn't talk to us, wouldn't really. But that—that's it's just a thing. It, it's just, it's just just a thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's well over the top, especially now that I'm out looking from the outside in. I yeah, think it's yeah. well over the top. Yeah. But we are we are pretty ruthless, and some of it's fun, and some of it's uh, you know too negative. Yeah, right, right. Because I think when you, especially that that the infantry ADG thing is. Yeah, everyone's comparing it against each other. Well, they're actually two different elements. They've got two different roles. They've got two different lots of training. There's two different mindsets. Yeah. So it's different. 
um, and, and and that's everything in the ADF, whether it be Army, Navy, they're all different elements. They're all needed for yeah. different reasons, yeah. and they're 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 different, and they are what they are, and they they they're they're fit for purpose for the role that they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of comparisons, a lot of pissing contests. Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> that's healthy. It drives uh, excellence. Usually, well, I, I think it does. The, yeah. the competitive side of it's great. It does. Yeah, it, it can it, be productive. It, it, it's great, yeah. but um, yeah, sometimes it gets a little bit too far. But <laughs> so, uh, Agi or ADG or yeah, Airfield, Airfield Defence Guard. So the, the slang for it's um is Agi, but yeah, Airfield Defence Guard. Yeah. that's the the what they call a mustering. So that's different them. to the dog handlers that are part of the yeah. MPs, aren't they? Because they're yeah. part of the MPs or security well, or something different, aren't they? Yeah, the, that wheel that wheel that wheel turned a lot, even for the the thirteen years I was in the air force. But dog handlers, uh, EOD dog handlers, so they're the two different types. Okay, of dog yep. hand, uh, like security dogs security, and then detection dogs. Yeah, security detection, yep. and then you got EOD, which are a different type of dog, and yep. they're there for obviously detection of. Yeah. munitions or IDs and stuff. And then there's MPs. And they were, when I joined, they were all separate. So they were, total, okay. they were totally separate. While I was in, they consolidated all of those, I'll call it force protection elements, into the the same squadrons, which I don't think was the right thing to do. Yeah. But And then just recently, after I got out, they've pulled them all back out again into their okay. own separate, separate elements. So they put all the security into one force. I guess, or into the same squadrons and then they've removed them all again. Okay. Yeah. The wheel it always goes oh, off. Yeah. And, and that, that had happened prior, yeah. to, to, prior to us being yeah. there and stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, that happens. Someone else has got a new idea. And oh, yeah. The, the, the good, the good <laughs> History idea, repeats itself. The good ideas fairy is huge in defence. <laughs> so what was uh, – so you obviously did that agi role for a very long time. So tell us a bit about it. Like what did you, what did you get up to while you were doing it? Yeah, well, um, I, w- I was really chasing – the Middle East seemed to be where it's at. I sort of hedged my bets a little bit and thought, well, they're only sending company-level stuff to Iraq as in a company doing, uh, you know, Overwatch Battle Group, which was going on at the time, and then yeah. security attachment at Baghdad, and then they started sending battalions over to Afghanistan. But the the army had gotten quite large at this point. There was a lot of battalions, so you really need to be in the right place at the right time and, and to, to get these deployments. So I sort of hedged my bets a little bit with with uh, airfield defence being a, a small element, yeah, um, and I got I took I got sent over to the Middle East within about four months of me tra- uh, transferring to really? Iraq. Yeah, so when I did a a reserve, uh, so that's quick, right? Like yeah, a, as, yeah. a, as a new noob, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and it pissed a lot of, of a few other people off that uh, they didn't get that opportunity, but they were saving the force up for. Uh, you know, a, a larger style deployment potentially. Okay. But I went to Kuwait and Qatar in the right. Persian Gulf and did that for about four and a half months. Very, very low level, very low level trip, but hey, that was, that, I was cool with that. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it definitely opened my eyes to how big the war was. Right. Okay. Um, we're on a US base and, yeah, B one B bombers taking off every night. Huge, huge base with huge elements, and it just really opened my eyes about how big this war is. Right, and we weren't even in it at that time. 
myself or the the element I was in wasn't in Iraq and wasn't Afghanistan. So we're in a third country that's being guitar. Yeah. Yeah, just seeing this huge, huge Big war, machine. which was, yeah. yeah, to me was mind-blowing. Yeah, right. But exciting at the same time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So life in Qatar went on for a bit and... How, yeah. So that is that a six month rotation no, that, that, as well, that, that or was, longer? That, that or? was a that was a four month rotation. The job we're doing there was it was it was pretty low level. So we're conducting annual, basically conducting all the weapons training for the air force. Personnel. So it's just yeah, I was just thinking, are you actually actively protecting no, the airfield there no. because that's a safe country, right? Yeah, so, yeah, you can go there for a holiday. Yeah, like I was going to um, say that's not in the conflict zone. No, so. no, it's it's it. No, it's not. Um, so, so I'd call yeah. So that was a non combat deployment. Uh, right. For sure. Didn't so you were training people going over into there? Um, or? Uh, partly. So we're conducting all the all the weapons training and uh, CBRN. So there was a, there was a a chemical warfare threat. Yep. Sorry, not chemical. Take that back. A chemical threat from Iran at the time. Okay. So we were also conducting. Uh, chemical warfare refresher training, yeah, uh, to right. the personnel on this base. So the, the the particular base I was on had been, at, I guess, verbally targeted in the media by by Iran. So they had the oh right. So okay. the base had full, uh, Patriot missile sites on the base. It so they're the defense, defense type yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, to to total shoot, missile air defense. Shoot um, the scuds down. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, right. from Iran, and they that. At the time, they talked about using chemical weapons. So there were, again, intelligence-driven that, we'll, you know, you're carrying a haversack with your respirator in it to work. Yeah, right. Uh, we had a shipping container full of chemical warfare suits, uh, et cetera, and we ran that training. So that in conjunction with weapons training and then um, it, when the, uh, the C-130s were based out of that time. so The, the, the Australian Air, ones? Yeah so, okay. the, yeah, so the Air Force had, oh, I want to say two maybe three C-130s right. based out there. And so we'd, you know, take the weapons out to the air crew. Okay. Ammunition, yeah, right. et cetera. And, um, but it was a, yeah, very cruisy deployment. Had a lot of fun. You could drink on this particular yeah, base. Really? You could drink. Yeah. Um, you know, hanging out with them, with uh, Americans almost, well, I probably should have got charged. But why not? <laughs> got, so, you, so don't, don't commit yourself on this thing. <laughs> nah, it's, it's, it's all, all good now. I'm, 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 I'm totally out. But yeah, a real little quick story. We'll, we'll have to have three drinks a day, every yeah, right. day. Of course, you had to be point zero at work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, they did test that randomly, but uh, we would push those boundaries, and there were ways to get more than yeah, yeah, three drinks. You'd work it out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I had a had a few, got fairly got fairly pissed. Fell off a fell off the back of you. Cut cut my head open, did a real dodgy tape <laughs> job, spewed in my bed. Yeah, right. The aircon because we were lucky enough that the, on this US base we had what split system in through. I hadn't right. turned it on, so I woke up in it. It was it was very hot where we were. Woke up in forty degree heat. Sweat spew through the bed, blood from the, the cut in my head. Was late to work. Yeah. Um. Uh. My my boss, rightly so at the time, 
uh, looking back, want to charge me for being you know, absent from a place of duty. Right. Uh, but a couple other people sort of chimed in and sort of watered it down. Right. Got it sorted. <laughs> yeah. But a room stank for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky the dude, the dude I was sharing the room with was actually a carpenter and he was in Baghdad at the time. So he was away for a week. So I got it. But, it, yeah, you don't want your air kind of far when you're spewing a bed. Uh, no. Yeah. Did you swap your mattress with his if he was away? No. <laughs> no, but I threw all the bedding out. <laughs> yeah, right. Eh? So, uh, <laughs> how did that end up? Uh, so that, yeah, then it, that, that that was a a, a pretty good uh, little and for being in the air force less than a year. Um, yeah. But what, what that what I had decided on that uh, that deployment was I wanted to go full time. So oh, was, so you're still I'm still a, a reservist. reservist. Yeah, I'm yeah, still a reservist right. this time. Um, but I'd Sorry, met a lot of. I just assumed you'd gone full time at this. point. No, I did another. I was just doing these reserve contracts. Yeah, and I was still. So you're basically working full time for defence, but yeah, technically as a, as a you're a reservist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, most definitely. But I, I'd met a, spent a bit of time in Kuwait and met some other guys that were full time airfield defence guards, and um, yeah, I put my. Uh, paperwork in while I was there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, and how what they did they bring up the ACL thing that they originally no, so discharged you for or did they had they lost all that no, paperwork that, that, and did that, you change no. a letter in your name or something to No, that was all, that was all that was all gone. <laughs> was I, it? Uh, yeah. In fact, accelerating that, you know, 20 23 years later to when I got out and I was putting on my DVA paper DVA paperwork in, that was actually a problem because nothing was recorded. There was no evidence of it. So, really, that, yeah, wow. yeah, it just just, just gone. disappeared, not in the system. So it was good. It was good in the sense that the yep. army didn't know about it, but at the end, yeah, in the like, end, defense, it's like it was a defense cause injury, so it was legitimate in that way. But there was nothing. It was very hard to prove later. Yeah, I bet because yeah. there was just nothing. But yeah, I I, I transfer uh, applied to transfer full time, and I know I was. Yeah, went into full-time squadron in Queensland fairly, I'd say, fairly quickly. Yeah, okay. So what year are we talking about now? We're probably in 09 now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, moved to, uh, still had a long-term partner at the time and moved to moved to southern Brisbane. Right. So was it different being full-time than full-time reserve? Yeah. Were you treated different, or was it? Did it? Did it feel different? You're definitely treated different in the army, but the RAF has a. Now, and this is nothing against army dudes, and nothing. But I would say they have a bit more mature view of reservists and full time members, because every every element, or I would say most elements of defence are short staffed, and they really, I wouldn't say they really appreciate, but they needed the manpower. The yeah, reservists okay. were supplying that manpower and it was definitely in their best interest to keep those guys on the books. Yeah. And that was a different that was a totally different mindset in the army. Again, not not gonna, you know, sling yeah, yeah. because again, different organization, diff, different values and different principles. But yeah, it, it was it was definitely different. You would you were treated what I would say somewhat uh norm, like as a as a total force, you were treated very similar. Yeah, okay. There's, and I think that's probably driven. There are a lot of there's a lot of hierarching rank in the air force that are reservists. Yeah, that's that sounds like because I know some that have 
like retired, resigned, left, whatever, and are still reservists with their old, yeah, you know, substantial rank and stuff. And it's like, wow, okay, so that's pretty cool that you can. That's good for the organisation to be able to retain that corporate knowledge and those skills that they've obviously invested a lot in to be able to still utilise them. Um, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I think that's a sensible that's a sensible decision too. Yeah, it's, it's something that I've talked to a lot of people from the cops about uh, that there is just no opportunity to do that. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention it, it, again. Another good friend of mine uh, who's a, a cop in Vic Pole, and, and he's sort of at that time where he's done his twenty years and wants to do other things, but he's 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 reluctant to leave the force for for various reasons. But he's sort of like if they had a, no, I wouldn't call it for police or reserve, but like a part time. Yeah employment he he would definitely still do that and i don't know what victoria police recruiting's like but i know it's south australia yeah say polls recruiting's like and they they need people bad and i yeah, think they it, all do victoria and queensland and i think even new south wales have all recently had to not run a intake through their academies because they just didn't get the numbers yeah wow and i know queensland's offering these huge cash incentives yeah yeah, right. And, you know, they're advertising internationally to try and get people to come across. So, uh, yeah, well, you know, they just can't get people. Yeah. And it's no, it's no surprise because, you know, there's another well, whole podcast well, talking that, that's about right. there's the another organisation. And, and that's, uh, you know, yeah. you're doing your heart to, the heart, to heart and your walk. Yeah. I, there's a lot of. There's a reason we're there's doing a, there's what a re- we're doing. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason you're doing that walk. And uh, that's I'm sure that's a direct link to why people, one, aren't staying. Yeah in these, the forces or finding it hard to recruit. And people these days just go, I'm not putting up with that. No. You know, whereas years ago to be, get you in there and then you just put up with it. Yeah. Uh, but I think these days people just go, no, I'm out of here and uh, yep. go and do something else. So, yeah. And they do. Yeah. The turnover rate. So um, with going full time in, well, so, that, so we're talking about like 08, 09 sort of period. Is that, was... Were you still getting international deployments there or was that sort of yeah. leveling off a little bit? Um, not for the Air Force. So we were still doing um, deployments. We had a – what would I call it? So the Air Force had a a footprint, I'll say, in Qatar. They also had another footprint uh, in uh, just out of Dubai oh, yeah. where they had – at the time they had a, the Orion's based – Oh, there's surveillance, there's yeah. maritime surveillance aircraft. And yeah, those right. maritime surveillance aircraft were primarily being used for surveillance over Afghanistan. So using the, the, the sensors and the, the functions on that aircraft ah, right. on, on land, on land, which hadn't been done huh. to a large extent before with with Australia. So they were, they were, getting, they were flying from uh, El Minhad Air Base out of Dubai and flying over to Afghanistan doing that and coming back. Right. And then the RAF also had an element in Baghdad, which they, were, they had support elements at Baghdad International Airport. The Aggies and or the Aggies were running a section through uh, the embassy Baghdad doing security with the army. So the I'm not sure the size element the army had. They believe it was a company or right. a company minus. So two two odd platoons. They were sitting with you know with the they were co-deployed with the army on that. Yeah, right. How did that go? You'd have to ask the guys that um. You'd have to ask the guys that were on that one. I, I know I've got a very good mate that did one of those deployments. Right. He said it was it was very. 
companies uh, icy. Yeah, I was going to say it was. I figured it would have been. Icy in the beginning, but once I guess they had, I guess the peer, once they realized their peer on peer capability was this was similar, uh, they got they got along fairly well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Would have been interesting to start. It, with would, have, it would, have been, <laughs> would have been interesting. So what did you end up getting up to with them after you got went full time? Yeah, went full went full time. Um we started doing small rotations at a Kandahar in Afghanistan. So okay. I, I got on to the second rotation. So over that. there are you actually doing that defense yeah, role rather yeah. than prep so and it was, training we, and so that the I guess the mustering is effort we're slowly getting to the point that we'll we were more doing our role as opposed to support role. So Kandahar embedded into a U.S. Canadian uh, unit, and that was that was really cool working with U.S. and Canadian. Yeah, that dudes. would have been interesting. Yeah. And that was that was doing that role of airfield security at Kandahar, and um, I'm sure you've spoken now that Kandahar's huge. At, yeah. at the time we were there, I think they had thirty to forty thousand personnel on the base, in, including local Holy employed civilians. Hell. Yeah, they actually didn't know how many. They actually, while we were there, they conducted a census to try and work out how many people were on the base because they didn't know. So you have 40, 45 countries on the base that were NATO and affiliated countries. Australia's not a part of NATO, but they're affiliated, working with NATO. Then all your locally employed civilians. Uh, then. Other government departments, like yeah. the DEA, yeah, all the funky state spots. department, yeah, yeah. and and yeah, you know, then you had all the Australian other government departments, other government as well. departments, yeah, <laughs> and then it was yeah the, I think the only other airfield in the world at the time that had the same amount of air traffic was Heathrow. Wow. So there was there was an aircraft taking off and landing every minute of the day. <laughs> so it, it was huge. It was it was a huge base. It's probably, I want to say it was probably three to four times the size of the whole Tullamarine Airport complex in Melbourne, but everything was crammed on there, all the living conditions and, well, it's not living conditions, but all the, the barracks and that uh, wow. compounds. And, that's hard to, that's hard to just comprehend. It, for, it's, for, it, like for me, I just, I can't even picture that. It, it's it's mind blowing. I, 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 I never saw anything that big again, but to me, the war just got bigger. You know, being in Kuwait, yeah. then Qatar, seeing that, then coming over to Afghanistan and seeing smaller base over, then just seeing this this massive, uh, yeah, base. It was blown your mind. Oh yeah, and they that they, they, they gang violence on the base. They had within their own people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seriously, it was it was that big that crime. You know, the MPs were actually doing real time roles there, like actually being MPs, being MPs. Um, wow. not, not sitting at checkpoints or doing vehicle they were like conducting policing of their own people. Yeah, it was well. Yeah, yeah it is a community. Like yeah, and there's some wild people in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we worked with the US unit there, um, uh, doing doing the, mainly doing the the traditional role. Most most of it was inside the wire. Did a, a couple of outside the wire tasks, but mo- most of it was inside. Uh, you know, with the US inside the wire. Yeah. Uh, that that was that was that was okay. That deployment um, c- came back after that, and then uh, would have been about a year later. I did another deployment to Tarankout. Oh yeah. Um, for six months, and that was working in TOC, so a tactical operations center. Again, uh, that was more in, again probably going back to that support role for me. Right. Being in a TOC. 
So are you just advising about the, the your sort of unit capability in that role? Uh, or? The, the, the talk I was working was uh, an air an air force, and that was uh, a Slovakian and Australian uh, combined air defence of the or air ground defence of the base. So when the base was attacked by indirect fire rockets or there were any penetrations on the yep. wire. That was coordinated through this talk. Yeah, right. And I was, I was, you know, a, a part of just watching different systems and a, yeah. and a part of the talk. And, and yeah, so we were advising on on ground defensive airfields being that being our field, and we had uh, co partner allies at the, at the time we were working with the Slovakian Army and Air Force, and they were, they were doing the same thing. So they okay. were they were doing a lot of the security as well. And post that deployment. We sent two rotations of, of company size of airfield defence guards actually doing their job. Okay, and yeah, I, right. I, I unfortunately uh, wasn't on those deployments, but they did uh, inside and outside patrolling and the very uh, what I would call fairly traditional roles of the of airfield defence guards. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's how many overseas deployments have you done? Um. I've lost count. I'm yeah, trying I, to keep I, up. I, I, just... I, think, I think I've done eight, but I'd only say that four of them were com, what, what I'd call combat, in a con, combat conflict zone and another four that were de- deployed but in non-combat. Yeah, right. So your Middle East-centric ones like Kuwait and Qatar, non-combat, but, you know, a couple of de- two deployments to Timor, two deployments to Afghanistan, which, would, you know, I wasn't directly involved in combat. Well, actually, you know, that first deployment to Timor was probably the closest they ever got into because the militia was still active in the country. Yeah, yeah. The battalion got into a number of uh, ticks or troops in contact. Uh, but that's – as I went up, up the rank and petered out, I was, I was going to more support roles. Yeah, right. So when when you're saying you're working in the TOC, what rank are you there? I, I was a corporal going, uh, going to sergeant. Okay. Yeah, right. So, yeah, your role's going to change, obviously. Yeah. With what you're doing, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what? how old are you there? Your early 30s sort of thing. Uh, Must be. Yeah, I would have had to be. Yeah, I would have been early to mid-30s. Yeah, right. By this time. Yeah. Still thinking I'm young. But yeah, I still do now. Some yeah, days. I find it hard to let go. And I pay hard, for hard, it. I find it hard to let go. <laughs> I was only talking to someone the other day about the time I bought this KTM 450 dirt bike thinking I was still 18 and went out with a few mates and started riding it around. And I think the whole time I owned it, I probably rode it three times because every time I rode it, whether I fell off or not, I was my body was punished. <laughs> like it would take me weeks and weeks and weeks just to get my shoulder joints and elbows and back back in order just yeah. from riding it, from hanging on to the beast. Yeah. And that was just because I like the last time I dead set went dirt bike riding, I was probably in my early mid twenties or something, and I got back on there like there's no time in the middle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I paid for it, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, wow. So was that your last international deployment? No, I did. I did a couple of the small ones uh, after that. Um, again, couple couple of what I call non-combat deployments. Um, 
did one deployment where we're doing a role we call uh, ASO, Aircraft Security Operations. So we we would go with the C-130s or C-17s as in flight and ground security when they'd land on – some of the some of the base they're landing on were quite porous, as in porous security. So ah, okay. they didn't have fences or – Yeah, gotcha. As a, there was – this is when the and there's also also this period of time. So now we're going to uh, post post the Afghanistan the Australian Afghanistan withdrawal in 2012 2013. Right, we're still flying into Afghanistan because one of the we had two C-130s that were I don't want, in a better term contracted to NATO. So that was our commitment. Ah, okay. when it was like a flying taxi service gotcha. among, yeah. amongst other. So we'd be moving elements around Afghanistan that weren't Australian. Yeah. Right. 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 So we did in-flight security because they were non-coalition for – get off and have a load ah. of A&A or A&P, so um, uh, Afghan National Army, Afghan National yeah. Police. And everyone's heard in the, the aircraft. issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, uh, so blue, those – Blue those, and green type. They'd already happened by then, hadn't they? Yeah, and that was those a – yeah. yeah, and that was a very high and, and it definitely warranted, I guess, paranoia about yeah. that happening in the future. So we do in-flight security as um, – security outside the aircraft while they were loading, unloading. And so they were good little trips. They were based in uh, AMAB in... What's that like for you? Like I'm just trying to get my head around a plane load of people that are a potential threat that are probably armed. Well, everyone's... Yeah, it's great. Because in in Afghanistan, everyone's armed. Um, I was just thinking... I'm just trying to understand what that would be like. Like, I've done prisoner escorts and stuff, and they're in handcuffs, and <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not the same sort of flight. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was, I was hoping out some American Air Force dudes that are, um, might have been at JBAD. I'm trying to think which base it was, but randomly there. Now, they, they had the an electronic search. You know when you go to the airport, you go through yeah. security? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's putting their rifles on there. They're putting their, <laughs> like, their armor. They've got grenades <laughs> going on the plane, yeah, and it's going. And I'm like, why? Why are you? Why, why are, why they are doing we running that? this? What do you think they got a hidden knife? <laughs> yeah, they're literally putting their M16 or M4s like onto the on the X-ray yeah, machine. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, and they're going on a plane. Armed. Why did that not go viral on the internet? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. The only thing they couldn't, well, they weren't allowed to take grenades on the plane, but. <laughs> They, yeah, you know, oh, my god, their weapons are unloaded. That's the only, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but I thought still... that was that was quite funny. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand because, like, that's a that's a busy day at work. Like, if you've got that, like, you know, yeah, you could have, and we've got to be switched on if you're uh, if that's your gig, looking out for the plane, the crew, yourself when you've got stuff like that going on. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a low level gig, but you have to be. Yeah, on, point potential on point 100 percent yeah. and we, we i guess there were a lot of facts specifically with myself was one embarrassing the air force or australia with an incident that could happen yeah. um and causing a incident uh that that may have happened through neglect of like you know switching off falling asleep on the plane yeah right etc so we had we had full uh, stand operating procedures for sleeping going to the toilet on the plane, yeah. eating all of those things, so we'd have eyes on the the packs or the the the, the people transporting the back of the aircraft all the time. Yeah, and on the ground, um, the 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 person born IED threat was another thing that yeah. you know, contingently uh, conscious of worrying about. 
it, it doesn't take much to bring down an aircraft, especially when you're inside it. So yeah, that's what I'm just thinking. Like, there's such a yeah. minor thing. Like, and I'm sure you, I, I don't know, well, you might not be allowed to comment on it, but I know those air marshals back when they came into play, they were using like these ultra frangible rounds. That oh yeah, sort of yeah. Were you know, disintegrate and, on into in impact and try not to penetrate yeah. the aircraft. But I mean, that's not what you guys. And carry. their validation shoots were were crazy. Yeah. So that you know, were extremely uh, high as in the their validation shoots. How so did that, you guys manage that? Is it all unarmed sort of stuff? No, we, we we were armed, but I suppose you can shoot a few you, holes in the back of a herc and. It's well, not gonna... you, the ideal the ideal thing is to restrain somebody. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, there's always that escalation yeah. Yeah. sort of a force there, but I'm just sort of thinking like you're talking about, you know, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. It's not going to be stand up and have an argument. <laughs> yeah, our, 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 our base, uh, realistic like, SOPs were, you know, observing people, seeing if anyone's sort of agitated, most of the time they're strapped to their seats and you'd have to, you know, grapple someone with the weight of your body armour and stuff on and just yeah. take them to the ground. Then the, then the other member would have to restrain them. Well, they lower that back door of the herc and turf them out. out. Yeah, yeah, you can do that when you're flying low. But yeah, like in the C-130, there's no door to go into the cockpit. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because so, they're all open, aren't they? Yeah, so yeah. you have to have someone sitting by the door, yeah, and someone sitting with the uh, in the back of the aircraft. And the loadmasters themselves, as well, you know, often they've got to do their own personal security as well. But if they're doing stuff with the aircraft, they've got the back turn. Yeah, they're, they're bending the back over. Everyone, they're, yeah. yeah, they're doing weight and balances of the aircraft. or So they're to support them as well. But they were, they were good little trips. So they'd be three yeah. three or four-day little trips into Iraq and to Afghanistan, and that okay. really broke that um, deployment up. So it made it, go, made it go pretty quick. Okay. Um, and that, that was – and you're seeing different parts of the country as well. So, and that, that that was pretty cool. Um. But towards the end, it's, I, I, I did an injury that would end up being the end of my career right? and time in defence. So I'd, I'd, I'd probably the same you know, level of neck and back and uh, issues like everybody else. But I, I, in my early time, the Army weren't, doing, you know, weren't wearing a lot of hearing protection. My yeah. hearing was quite bad. Um, I developed bilateral tinnitus and hypercusis, which is so you get extreme ringing in your ears, but the hypercusis is extreme sensitivity to, sensitivity to sound. Uh, to sound, yeah, that just all. doesn't sound right, does it? Because oh. like you got hearing damage, but then you get oversensitive to sound. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such yeah. a frustrating condition. Um, and, and ringing in your ears, yeah, yeah, wow. and and basically, I wasn't allowed to use a firearm. In defence, which made me well, non deployable, yeah. and that that was yeah, that was basically that petered out the end of end of my career, right? With a, a medical discharge for for a whole multitude of things, but it it, it started was driven by that uh, hypercusis. Yeah, right. And what year are we talking about? Uh, two thousand seventeen, seventeen, sixteen, right. seventeen. I can't remember the exact year, and I. Was lucky enough to jag a, a training position for my final three years where I didn't have to be, so I was non deployable, but didn't have to use a firearm yeah. in a training role. And then once those three years, that I, I was, I was out. Yeah. Okay. So what's the what's the DVA process like from from your perspective? Because you hear a lot about it, but oh, um, yeah, and you it, know, and I've heard people say it worked well for them, and then it's like it's like our 
terrible systems with insurance companies. Like we've got a next mm. level thing again, which is horrendous, but some people actually have a reasonable experience with it. Very rarely, but um, yeah, I've heard. Sort it, of- it, it's definitely its own podcast. And not, and not only is it, it's worth its own one hour podcast. So it's, it, it's, it's a whole podcast in itself. Um, yeah. we're, we're probably firstly, it, 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 Compared to first responders, we we are, we have a better system. We, we, well, you've got a system. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. And that's what you, what's, yeah. that's what you guys are doing when you're going to Canberra because yeah. you guys need a system. You guys need a yeah. system. Um, we just get fobbed off to insurance companies. Oh, and and so. that's and that's yeah, I'm going to drop the f bomb here, but that's fucked. It is for yeah. you guys because you guys are yeah. seeing stuff every day. Yeah. Um, and that that's 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 difficult. We are lucky that we had an established system which really got us established. I, I think and I believe really it was really grounding after Vietnam with the Vietnam veterans. Right. So they 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 I'm not saying they set that up, but they they put that together. Is it the best system in the world? Uh, no, it's not, but it is a system. Uh, so it, it, it is it is a system. Is it the best? No. It doesn't need work. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone has their own journey. With the one thing I learned with DVA is everyone's journey through DVA is different. Yeah. Yeah. Should it be different? Probably not. Um, I've had a lot of mates that are military discharge, and every single one of them has had a different experience. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and different. I've had a friend, a, a very good friend of mine, had a, what I'd call had a, a horrendous uh, time with DVA. That right. was that was partly defence's fault and partly DVA's. I was probably some some my particular journey through DVA. I would say was was okay to good. So right. I, I'd, I'd three years notice basically that I was discharging. So that gave me yeah, three right. years to. So what's that like? Twenty thirteen ish. You got oh no, yeah. So I got got diagnosed oh, with the. I want to say twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Oh okay. I got out in nineteen. Oh sorry, I thought you meant yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I was able to go through that DVA pathway while yep. I was in defence. So I had yeah, a discharge notice. Right. That makes a big difference. Right. Uh, I had that discharge paperwork for medical discharge. So I had three years to square that away. Yeah, right. Um, and get yourself ready to leave. Yeah, and yeah. It, it actually wasn't sorted until about th- six months after I left defence. Right. So it took three years and six months. But I had a that pathway to go through all that pipeline. I could do that while I was in defence. Right. Where a lot of people, they don't, they get... They have what they call a MECRB board. They get a discharge notice and they're out in three months and they haven't been given that opportunity or time because DVA doesn't work that fast to to go yeah. through that. So my experience is, like I said, good to okay, but but I had time on my side uh, where most other people don't. Yeah, okay. And, I mean, I, I'm sure defence uh, exiting is no – is. Very different. Uh, sorry, very similar to people that have been long-term in emergency services, wearing uniforms and doing what they do every day, sort of thing. Uh, whereas when you leave, you go through this massive loss of identity issue. Who am I? What am I doing? You know, there's a lot yeah, of totally. a lot of people yeah. struggle with that transition. How did you go with that? Uh, yeah, I, I struggled. Yeah. Uh, I, I set myself up with it, which which led me to you know, owning a pub. But when I found out I was getting discharged, immediately I was like, I need to do something when I get – because if I get discharged on a Friday, um, 
and Monday I'm sitting on the couch. Yeah. I'm going to go down. Right. So Did you know that then? Is that how you were thinking? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. And it, okay, that's that's interesting because I I didn't really r- realize how wild a ride it was going to be after it was over. And I'm I'm just wondering if if you sort of had in the back of your mind there that you were sort of uh, I, I thought I thought it'd be easier than it was definitely, yeah. but I also thought that I was so I love defense. I, yeah, I, I, I love my time in the arm. Love my time in the RAF. Um. I wouldn't change a lot of it except for that injury part of it because yeah. that, that changed my whole life. Um, but I, I wanted to stay into de- in defence till I retired. I was doing yeah. well. I was doing, you know, I was reasonably successful in my career. Yeah. Um, fairly happy with things. I didn't want to leave. And probably those elements, once once I did get out, like, like you were just saying, myself and a lot of people struggle with, once you're out, you're out. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You're, you're done. There's a sad saying in the cops that there's nothing more X than an X, and they treat you like that once you're out. Oh, for the most part, totally. I don't know whether militaries are the same. No, they're, they're, they're the same. Yeah, right. Um, once you're out, you're out. And when you give your whole life to something, yeah, as you would know with with the with um, first responders and police, it's 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 very it's very daunting. Yeah, and you lose your identity. Yeah, and you you, you do a lot of self reflect and. You have so my my cohort of friends were those guys on that second yeah. Afghanistan deployment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, though, I'm gonna, there's, there's probably about ten of them. We still caught up with them recently in Melbourne. They're still good to go. Um, they came and helped me out uh, with with my pub when yeah. I first bought it. I want they, to hear about the pub in a minute, but yeah, yeah, they they came and but out of all, there's still colleagues that I chat to that are still in, but not many. Yeah, and yeah. You're, it's not the same when you're out. No, it's no. not the same. And, and a lot of a lot of people do cut you away. And maybe that's because you were just talking shop. You were just talking. Your you, your friendship was more based around work than anything yeah, else. And, right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That, you're out. You're out. Yeah. Just like to take a moment to acknowledge the support we've had from our platinum sponsors, Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. As you'd understand, the logistics behind getting from Central Australia to Canberra are pretty big. And without their support, this walk wouldn't be possible. So thanks for getting on board Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. So you you officially out in what, 19, was it? Uh, It was December 19. Oh wow! Okay, so that's not yeah. That is October, not long October ago. December nineteen. Yeah right. Yeah. Um, so what did you get up to like immediately after you got out? Did you have a break or no? And I probably should have. So is this where the pub comes? Yeah, because you've owned that for a while. Yeah. Did so you we, buy that before you left? Yeah, yeah. So myself, and my ah. wife bought that pub. In... So just for context, the the Carradine Hotel you own. Yes. And. Yeah, interestingly, one of the things that I've done on this trip is actually spoken to publicans. Yeah, uh, which, with your, pu- your, your pub cast, pub which, cast, which I like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've, really I've, even, cool. I've even secured a website called yeah. Outback Pubcasts, yep. just in case I need it. But yep. um, No, I reckon because there, there are some characters in oh, pubs. Oh, yeah. And some... my wife's actually said to me 
I hope you go travelling doing just pubcast oh. stories after the walks on in this you old could, van. Um, I've met some very, very funny, entertaining people that yeah. are in pubs. It, it, and it's just a whole subculture as well, It is, by the yeah. Way. But that's why I was so keen to catch you for this story because I thought not only is it another publican with a, you know, that's a local character that's doing stuff in that, mm. you know, your small community the way you do it, but, you know, everyone's got a backstory, you know. And yeah. Yeah, and I can tell you what, there's some publicans that got pretty interesting backstories. Yeah. Especially the guys that have been in the industry through the sort of 80s and 90s. There's some pretty yeah. funny shit. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you bought the yes. Carradine Hotel. Worked out, get, got told. Which, which, which So was, did you move back here though? Because obviously there's no military bases anywhere near here. So no, how did that um, work? My final, my final posting, and my wife was in as well. Oh, right. Um, so we were... We were uh, separate our posting. She was posting in Canberra okay. to Joint Operations Command and I was at Wagga at one recruit training unit. We bought the pub. This is a year before COVID. So oh, hindsight's a brilliant, brilliant thing. Wow. Never been to hospitality and remember from early on my only snippet of small businesses that business was based. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> had no fucking idea with what. I know you're from a rescue background and stuff. Well, that makes me shudder. Yeah. Oh, it makes me shudder thinking about now because now I know what uh, insurance and yeah, yeah, injury yeah. in the workplace and stuff is. And yeah. that we, we should not have been doing that. Certifications uh, and sign offs. Oh, there, there was no certification. There was no risk assessment. So it was. I love it. This yeah. is how you tie a. Let's let's just get on with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was. So loose. we we did actually talk about this, didn't we? Because I said I'm assuming when you bought the pub, you had a massive business plan and financials all mapped out, and you're like, yeah, nah, 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 nah. We um, <laughs> we we winged it, but but we definitely spent more time in educating ourselves on that industry. Right. So we bought the pub, started doing renos. I was able to get again that cohort of. Good mates of mine, and, and how good is that though? Like oh, they're still they're, they're fantastic. Like you're out and you're doing something different out in the middle of nowhere, oh, and they just turn up and help. I, I called up on these dudes. They did a ring around. I I reckon I had nine uh, nine to ten of these guys from all all emergency responder background now, but all of them when we were doing our reserves back in the day. And this is a, one really good thing at reserves. Everyone's got a second job, so yeah. a lot of these guys were tradies, tradies and stuff. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and, of course. So that that skill level is still you don't lose it. Yeah, you might lose the the touch of yeah a bit of it, but they're they're so handy. And then I had a couple of uh, you know a couple of Air Force mates that I'm still in uh, contact with. A couple of good mates of mine, they came over as well. So between the the army and the RAF, we've got a team over here of a, a dozen dudes and yeah hooked in. Just gave them tasks and they went and did it. Yeah, and because you've done such an amazing job in there, it's really cool. Yeah, and I, I you know, you've got to, uh, you know, tribute that though to one my mates and two, there were a lot of locals that, that helped myself, and my wife out because they were very keen to get that pub going again. Because it had been shut for a while. Yeah, it'd been shut for a, four or five years before we bought it. Then we're doing renovations for the first three years, so it's probably closed for six or seven years in, in, in total. And those locals really wanted that, that pub going again. Yeah. So they were very- You've got to tell me about your first inspection of that place when you found that- Oh, yeah, up. yeah. So <laughs> we're actually at the Craddock Hotel. I was visiting my uncle and auntie. So this would have been- So Craddock's about what, 30, 40 Ks down 45 the road? 45 Ks. That's 45, yeah, yeah. 
So I remember earlier on I was saying I've got family up there. Yeah, so yeah. Was visiting family and I had, had my wife there as well. Because they've done a great job doing that plate. That plate oh, too. and yeah. the, the previous owner before Amy Amy and Dave and the current uh, Craddock Hotel, before they owned it, my cousin-in-law owned it. Oh, wow. So yeah, my, okay. my cousin, well, she, she part-owned it as well. So that was excellent, getting that bit of knowledge in hospitality and yeah. pubs and stuff as well. Um, yeah, and, and that pub's come a long way into That was a fa- fairly – the Craddock Hotel was fairly divey for a long time. While it was an awesome pub, it was fairly divey for a long time. And my, my cousin-in-law, uh, Dickie, which if anyone's listening local, that he's, he's a bit of a celebrity around here. People know him. And, and right? he's got a building background as well. Uh-huh. So he, yeah. he's a, he was a builder by trade. Um, so he's – yeah, you know, he's he's working on the land now, so I, I don't know what it is. Seventy five dollars an hour might have dropped to about ten dollars. Yeah. But anyway, he's in a family business, so you get paid what you get yeah. paid. But um, drove past it. At this point, I I had I got my discharge notice, or oh, told I was going to be discharged this day. I I hadn't secured this other posting that following three years, so it was potentially going to be out in three months at the time. Oh right, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, drove past the pub. Now I've driven past that pub. A thousand times yeah. going up to Craddock. I used to go there in my twenties and and thirties when it was open and, and tear it up in there because I, I love getting on the piss in these little country yeah. pubs. Didn't yeah. really think much. I drove past it, saw it was for sale. Sorry, it was actually for lease at the time. We didn't know it was for sale, but anyway, all the doors were unlocked. Um, <laughs> self inspection. Yeah, so Welcome. we did a self <laughs> we did a self inspection. It was it was a tip. Uh, it was very divey, as I expected it, but because doors, windows, there was a dead. I was, I was saying to Matt, um, we had a beer the other night. There was a dead fox in the hallway, and the fox had melted into the carpet over time. <laughs> that had me when you said that the other night. I'm like, there you go. That's the the, the inspection welcome from yeah. the uh, from the real estate agent. And there you go. There's a dead fox on the carpet. Yeah, there were dead birds and <laughs> birds and shit everywhere. In fact, the fox in my- must have got on the cans and. Fell asleep and never woke up again. <laughs> yeah, in, in one of the back rooms there was a there was a bed and it had the doona pulled back, like somebody had just left, like the police had just raided. And yeah, there was right. A set of undies on the ground, and there was a used condom next to a tin, like an old jam tin full of cigarette butts. Oh, whether someone was squatting in there or I don't know what happened, but it looks like they literally got up and left. But Jeez. yeah, that was that was the theme for the whole pub. It was trashed. It was shit. It yeah, was right. Real, dirty but when you got doors and windows that are unlocked um yeah. i think the locals had been using it as an unofficial um pub or get together place there was some there was still some beers in the fridge. oh so they were still actually oh, well right. i don't know whether they're using it on the books or not just or, walking around the dead fox yeah yeah just walking around <laughs> the dead fox didn't bother picking it up but everything in there was was buggered yeah uh and the infrastructure had been removed so all the ovens and oh okay so it was, it was very yeah, right. yeah very basic and um, how good is that? You can call on your mates and say, "Hey, I need a hand." And yeah, up there. yeah. We end up ringing the broker. It ended up well. It was it was advertised for lease, but it was actually for sale. So we we bought that and um, probably bit off more than we could chew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Started renovating, but yeah, we lived in Wagga, so we were transiting from Wagga. Oh, uh, right. To, to Carrot, which is eleven hours across the Hay Plain, every couple of weeks. All the time oh. until COVID hit, and then we couldn't yeah, get across that the border. Ends that. Yeah. Um. So when COVID hit, I had to you know, get those border yeah. passes and all that shit. And um, yeah, I, I spent big chunks of time over here doing Renaults, and yeah, 
but it was good. But pre-COVID, I was able to get the boys over, and yeah, it was it was amazing to to get all of them over, and yeah, we got in the beers at night and worked yeah. during the day. Yeah, right. they were really good, and no job was too hard, and Give and something like I said with trade backgrounds, they they came back repeat times and helped me do building work on it. Yeah, how good's that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a fine. Uh, it's a fine building now. Uh, oh, you, you would never know any of that when you walk in. No, there. and I'm I'm really happy the way it turned out. Yeah, it it, it, it was it was a long journey uh, and a, a lot of hard work and literally blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, um, yeah. to get it where it is now. But yeah, it, it's yeah we're really happy where it's at. But we, we totally couldn't have done it without one my cohort of mates and, yeah. and two of the locals. So what's life uh, aside from the pub been like for you after the military? So is that that sort of project's obviously kept you pretty absorbed? Yeah, and uh, I, I went straight into that after I had my discharge, which is good and bad. And I'll say good and bad because one, it kept me occupied with with my mind and yeah. um, running that pub. And that the pub's really routine based. You, you get into a routine every day, running running a pub or running a business. So that was good. Yeah. But the downside of it was that. Um, I made my life too complex, as in I took on too much. Too much, too quick. Yeah, Administrative, right. finance, business. And I was, fra- I was, I was, I didn't have time to defrag. And I wasn't, even in defense, like you go home on the weekend and you hang out with your wife and kids or your yeah. mates or whatever. Well, a, a pub's at its prime on a weekend. Yeah. So you, you basically get no days off. When you're having the days off, you, you're doing work around the pub, keeping it maintained. So I, I, I cooked myself after about two years. Right. Um, and I probably should have taken a break and totally defragged off after defence. I was too wound up as in yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about when Hearing my mates deploying more, I, I couldn't let that go. And that was a conflict in my, I guess, my mind between running small business and coming out of defence. So just, yeah. uh, I, I, I had uh, terrible anxiety and depression when I got out and I'm I, I you know I probably made that worse no I'm not gonna say probably I did make that worse going into that now how, how to avoid that I don't know because I saw a lot of my mates come out of defense sit on the couch and deteriorate really right. rapidly uh, as I'm as I'm sure you've you've yeah, seen it with yeah, yeah. um first responders you know once you're out you're out yeah you're lost you're lost while. and it yeah. takes as as you guys know, just as much as it can take years to recover from that. Yeah. Um, especially if you don't have your mates or you don't have any assistance yeah, around that's you. Right. Um so you probably need a break, but not too long a break. Then gets probably start trickle feeding yourself into a hobby or yeah. Some sort of employment that um it's I, I really guess is gonna fac- facilitate your, your recovery to a degree, yeah. your, your mental recovery. Well that's where I'm at now, you know, like I realistically do little bits of lots of stuff nothing substantial yeah. and I need to do it that way at the moment because I, I can't commit to anything big uh, at all because I'm too unreliable and um, yeah, yeah. I, I, li- I, know, I know I am Yeah, because I'll just have days where I go, I'm not doing that today or yep. I can't do that today or I'm not doing people today, mm. you know. And that's what that, that's one of the questions well, I was going to ask you is like I think my journey's probably been a bit different um, exiting uh, to yourself because I certainly went out with a major mental health issue, yep. um, uh, which was what sent me out the door. Um, but 
a big chunk of me still to this day is engaging with people. I, I just, there's something about it that makes me super anxious and uncomfortable. And if you had to, if you had to ask me what jobs that I absolutely could not even bear the thought of doing, one of them would be running a pub because you just, it's all about the people and oh, interacting with people. And I'm like, well, yeah, I totally. don't know how you do that. Uh, it, it, it's difficult. So I, I, I would consider myself in the same mindset as you said with people. I was taking a lot of Valium, a lot yeah, right, to to get through that. Again, when you when you have everything in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have gone through this pathway again with the pub if I had my time again. Okay, um, I got too excited, um, and it was all cool when you're doing the renovation, but once. We opened and it's real. It was real. And yeah, people, the locals are really good. So I consider like locals sort of friends. So yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's different. But uh, dealing with your, yeah, that true hospitality side of your grey nomads and tourists and stuff. And not everyone's happy. No. Oh, no, totally not. Yeah. Yeah. Expectation managing all people, like every single person all the time. Yeah. And, I was going to say I got addicted to Valium. I was taking so much Valium because I I needed that to calm down. Just now, to calm. Yeah. Now, what I really need to do is remove myself from that space, but I dug myself in a hole. Yeah, right. So at the moment, we're only open uh, three See, days. failure is not an option, is it? You, you get, no. I, not, I, I, ha, I have get my, I've got to be careful because if I've got a goal in mind, I'll, I, I'll destroy myself to achieve the goal. I know I will. And that's what I've got to be very careful of. And I'm, I'm assuming that's a, there's a little oh, bit of that with yourself. Oh, totally. I've done done yeah. done the same thing. Yeah. Um. But with with our line of work, it's very hard just to shut the door and walk walk away. Yeah. It, yeah. It, with an expense wise, and so we went from running six days a week down to we're open only open two and a half days a week now. Yeah, Friday afternoon, Saturday and Sunday afternoon, and, that, and that's prime because I, you know, what you're saying before, I can't handle it. I can't yeah. handle people. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, we've got the business up for sale at the moment. Oh, have you? Yeah, 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 right. And a, a, a factor with that is, is um, yeah, just just this just recognizing the yeah. I'd, I've I've got to, I I I need to take a step back from that that space yeah. with people. So on the mental health front, um, in your transition, which because it's not that different a time frame to me because I sort of went out twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, uh, how like how have you been? Within yourself, like how have you actually been coping uh, and how have you been travelling like, other than what you've just explained? Very up and down. Yeah. The, the, when we're running the business full time. Because you've got young kids and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Wow, that's hectically busy. Um, so that, They're busy years yeah, at and, that age. And, and the combination of events, which wasn't ideal. So firstly, got our defence, which is you know, you're getting a regular wage. Um, when we bought the pub, we didn't have kids. Now we've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. The country town we live in has got 25 permanent residents. 25. 25. Yeah. Um, and you're four of them. And we're four of them. With an out of district. So the total district's about 120. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's small than, you know, 25 people smaller than the platoons I was in. Yeah. Um,
all the things I don't like is in uh, crowds, yeah. noise, with especially my hyper yeah, yeah, So yeah. I wear earplugs on a Friday night. In the pub. In the bar, yep. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I, a combination of events, which combination of health issues, yeah, business, and I ended up in um, a mental health facility last October for five weeks uh, in, yeah, okay. in Tuong, which is an excellent facility, um, and that they have a combination of, of first responders and, and defence, and they have yeah. programs for that, and, and that, it's it's a really good program. But yeah, that's that's where I end, end, ended up, yeah. and that was where I really made a decision about the pub, saying that, you know. Not the right time. No, not the right time. Can't, yeah, okay. Can't do it. And I don't want to sound like a defeatist, like can't do it. It's just – Those priorities though, right? Like, Well, I was going, I'm going through self-preservation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the one thing I've realised within myself nowadays is I just go, I know this is going to affect things that I've got lined up or other people's arrangements or whatever, but I, I just go, actually, I can't do that today. That's yeah. Not, that's not happening. Yeah. Or now I'm not going to commit to that anymore. I've changed my mind because it's not going to be in like it's going to affect me or and all my family and and a big one for me is I know I've put my family through a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. like I I yeah. I, I still uh, beat myself up with guilt uh, yeah. every day about what they still have to deal like where they're at now is a lot of what they have to navigate. Yeah, yeah, is because of me. Yeah, and and, and people go, oh, you can't say it like that. Well, it's actually that's what happened. Mm. Like it is because of me that they're going through what they're going through. Uh, you can't sugarcoat that. Yeah, no, and, and you're not alone, dude. We're, yeah. we're all going, and you know, I I, I get that bit of like I've dragged my wife out of her job. I've dragged her to the country. Yeah, to, right. And and then I've so your the relocation was for to chase this. Yeah, yeah, total. Yeah, so right. we're, 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 I don't want to say we're chasing a pipe dream. That's not the right thing. But I wanted to come back up here, but. You know, I've I've dragged all that up here, yeah. um, and yeah, you know, that that weighs heavily on my mind as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a big load in the background when you're yeah. trying to grapple with a, running a business and all that sort of stuff. And see, you're a, like you're an amazing guy, like community minded still with everything you've got going on, and you're still going to help out the CFS. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, like that. That that's what that's one of the things that's really struck us in these really tiny communities is like that that's an absolutely essential thing that has to be there to protect oh, the people I, in the I, community. I totally. And you and even though it's absolutely not in your best interest, you're still giving a little bit of yourself to making sure that's still on the road. Oh yeah. And look, I have to be really careful what I do with uh like with CFS, um, just because of the noise factor. They're like chainsaws ah, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm running pumps and stuff. And yeah. I'm, I'm running double E's all the time when I do do stuff with them and there's only sort of limit I could do. But however, the, the first response time up here, um, especially in South Australia, which is quite underfunded, we've got to rely yeah. on ourselves a lot of the time. Yeah. So you call Triple O to ring the police. Yeah, yeah, that may yeah. That may take an hour, might take an hour and a half, might take five hours. Yeah. You ring a fire, you're ringing us at CFS essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ambulance is another thing. you, you they're more likely just get you to a clinic and get a helicopter or a flying doctor back flying to Adelaide. Doctors. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you, we have to be self-sufficient yeah. to a degree. Yeah. So CFS is very important to the local community. Yeah, because that's the only emergency service there, yes. isn't it? Yes, the it CFS. Is. Yeah. 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 So you've got to be a bit of a jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah. and again, that community-minded 
uh, yeah, it's all all farmers and stuff on it. Yeah, and they're practical you know, people. They're practical stuff people. Done. They're jack of all trades. Yeah. They, you know, pumps and yeah, that's draft, their bread and butter. Drafting <laughs> and all that stuff. Water. That's their bread. Yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah, chainsaws their bread and, and yeah, stuff. That's yeah. all. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's. Uh, yeah, now, now knowing how much you've actually got going on in the background, it's amazing that you're still uh, able to give that, you know, that little bit of uh, what time you have got to uh, still yeah, do that sort it, of stuff. It probably, yeah, it, it all it simmers away at you though. Yeah. But I want to say we're lucky, and I was, I was saying that this to you the other night, um, we don't get a lot of call-outs. We probably should be doing more training than we're doing with yeah. CFS, but um, it's fairly low level, which at, at the moment that suits me. That suits my yeah. sort of... Where you're space, at. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You wouldn't want it to be too full on. No, no. Wow. Well, there you go. That's how the pub came about. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Hospitality during COVID. Yeah. No. That's man. A, that's its own podcast. A, I won't won't go into that. But what a lineup of the stars though uh, against you. You know, to a degree where, where that it, it could this could have been a very different story. Yeah. If, if that hadn't happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it is what it is. We all, uh, yeah, every, that's probably one thing you can say. Everyone went through COVID yeah. in, in some form, and yeah, you know, it, it's its own in discu- those industries. That yeah, it, it's it's its own discussion. Yeah. But everyone everyone went through and call it a journey during COVID. Yeah, every single one of us, whether it be you know first responders, yeah. just life, everyone, life. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was indiscriminatory. <laughs> it was it was very indiscriminatory. So yeah. it's, it's it's a hard. One to you know, it hindsight's everything. If you do yeah. things differently, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for sharing all of that. That's um, it's really good for um people like me and people on the walk, and certainly people listening to this this podcast to hear the raw realities of someone like yourself. That's you know, kicked off as a young bloke, done the things you've done in defence, and then cracked off to have a new start and it hasn't quite worked out how you wanted it to be, but you're still, uh, you know, recalibrating yourself into what you got to do and what's right to do for you now. And that's, um, that's something that I think we try and push the message home uh, on this walk for sure is actually making sure you got your priorities squared away and, uh, do the right thing by yourself and your family where you can. Yeah. 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 That's a that's a powerful story that you've got. Yeah, no, uh, um, uh, thanks. And you know, for what you what you guys doing the walk, that's 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 amazing. Going to Canberra, um, getting the government to notice. Yeah. Like, like I said, I've surrounded myself um, uh, with first responders my whole life. Yeah. Um, you know, some people have a good experience. Some people, yeah, you know, everyone has different experiences. But you know, the, there's definitely assistant need. And so yeah. I'm t- telling about. You know, my father-in-law, who's an AMBO in Western Sydney. Yeah. I'd, I'd, fuck, they go through some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And actually, the AMBOs are often, um, I don't know, I, I, I under-recognised in the sense of what they do. Like, I oh, think everyone oh, to- sees the cops on the news and all that sort of stuff yeah. every night. And if there's a big fire, they all see the fire. Everyone loves the fires, but the reality is they sleep through the night most of the time and <laughs> oh god yeah i have no sympathy uh but uh no i do but oh that's been my running gag for 25 years i can't let it go now but um but the ambos are often you know in the yeah. background doing their thing um without the profile that some of these other agencies get and 
Yeah, it's one of those because I've got some really good friends that are um, uh, special casualty access ambos up yep. in the Blue Mountains that get, you know, all the really gnarly jobs. Yeah, and the police rescue of ambulance, basically. Y- yeah, yeah, and and and, and um, I definitely worked together with those guys a lot back when I was doing that. But um, you know, it's one of those things where they just like. In Western Sydney as an AMBO, you're just going from mess to mess to mess. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff's not particularly highlighted. And, yeah, and particularly in New South Wales, the the, the union – I'm just going to say this. Uh, the, the union for New South Wales Ambulance Service is very poor. Right. For them. Like, when I mean poor, not financial, I mean is in their support yeah, is really the poor. the support. They're yeah. really – I've I've heard that quite a lot. They're very underrepresented. Well, the state government's really yeah. got a, a tight hold of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they can't keep a lot of people in the job. No, no. Uh, I, I actually go to a PTSD group with a couple of ambos, and you know their frustrations are just next level. Oh, yeah. I, you, I, hear I, what, I, you hear what drives them? Don't doubt yeah. it at all. And yeah, my father-in-law was saying it, it's hard to keep an ambo more than twelve months now. That's crazy. Yeah. So how do you? Yeah. It takes so long to get in because you know, got to do a university degree yeah. now. I think in New South Wales. Yeah. Um. Then they get in and they pull a pin after twelve months because it's yeah. just there's just no support. Yeah, how do you get how do you get a uh, an operational skill base when that's attrition rates like that? Yeah, and I think every all the agencies are struggling similarly. Yeah. Like cops are yeah. bleeding, bleeding people all the time, can't fill classes, and you know, oh, yeah. I think the like full time fire brigades are probably still doing okay, but um, that's because they sleep on night shift. <laughs> Got to say it again. Uh, anyway, look, hey, thanks very much again for, yeah, no, for thanks, this Matt. chat. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, being a hot debrief episode, I got to ask you the three questions that form that debrief. So yeah, send it. What in your time, looking at everything from you know your childhood to your military career to buying the pub, all that sort of stuff in between, what do you reckon went right or you got right? Surrounding myself with good people. Um, so, and I don't want to sound arrogant, but like selecting motivated, um, positive uh, people in your life. Yeah, right. So that, that co- and I keep referring to this cohort of guys um, uh, that, you know, emergency services now back, you know, we're, we're tight. Yeah. And surrounding yourself with those sort of people, for me, as and other other guys in defence, like there's a lot of good dudes everywhere, but just surrounding yourself with good yeah. people that are positive, Uplifting motivated, um, it, it 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 changed. It definitely changed my life. And I, I'm very, you know, these guys are fairly humble. They're excellent dudes, um, and if you can surround yourself with good people, I, re- I reckon that's that that's an and that's an easy thing to do as well. Yeah, um, people are negative or. And I'm going to mean I mean totally negative, like all the time, or you know, are, are too loose. Yeah, right. Sometimes you just got to cut them away. Yeah. So yeah. For, for me, surrounding myself with good dudes, be selective as, of your as, friend group. Yeah. Yeah, good good dudes is is, is been definitely influential. Yeah. And they're yeah. St- and they're still they still are good dudes. And particularly now, you you know that, that's one of the things I've found too is going back to. My genuine friends, while I've been struggling, and they're they're literally always there. Yeah, you know, the, wouldn't the, matter if I rung them at two o'clock in the morning. I, they go, man, what's going on? You same. Know? I I can go to Melbourne, t- 
two o'clock in the morning, go, hey, dude, you want to catch up? And yep, no worries, I'll yeah. see you in five. I'll yeah. Like, what, you yeah. Know. yeah, yeah. So on the flip side of that, um, and that's actually really important. I don't think anyone's actually brought that up before. That's that's a really, really solid bit of uh, rem- even yeah. not even advice. It's reminding you to be selective in who you surround yeah, yourself so, with. So, solid dudes. And yeah. what I mean dudes, I'm not – yeah. I use dude as in the way of, of male, female, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Um, yeah. I think dude's a generic term. But, yeah, just surround yourself in, with good good, 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 good people. people. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, what do you reckon you, you got wrong or went wrong for you in your your time? Yeah, and my own body, my own health. Um, sacrificed, as others did, um, sacrificed – for whatever the cause was, and each individual like that, I don't say workplace safety, but cutting those corners and not looking after your body because the chickens come home to roost. Yeah, I'm 45 now, and I should still have another good 15 years in me. But I've got so thing, so many things wrong with my body, and a lot of those things could have been prevented in in hindsight. Yeah, um, got to look after yourself, both physically, mentally, uh, and we neglect it. First responders, because you guys are so yeah active every day with your work. Defense people always, you know, defense people always try, and there's other industries as well. They just yeah. don't put their body and their mind first. Yeah. Accelerate the time frame to 45, 50 years yeah. old, and you're two thirds fucked. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reality. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah, that's that's the reality. Of I it. never pictured myself being here. And, oh, uh, me either. And my picture was still being in defense, still yeah, doing the same deal. And, and I'm sure. Same, same, you know, yeah. being from the police force, but you, you you neglect those things for for whatever reason at the time. Yeah, and then yeah, I think yeah, yeah, time, yeah. time goes quick. We're all guilty of it, just making shit work, and uh, you know, not taking the time to uh, yeah. look at yeah, as you said, like looking after your head uh, and and your your health is. Um, now, now thing, things have changed in that space, as you know, in our time where where. You know, back in our time, it was a taboo topic. Yeah, definitely yeah, a taboo yeah. topic, especially with mental health in that that yep. mental health space. But if you got to look after your body, yeah, and and that's holistic from mental to physical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You only get one body, and once it starts clagging out, it's 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 very especially as you're getting older to get it back into gear. You'll probably never get it back into the same gear it was, but yeah. it's yeah. harder to. It's easier to prepare yourself as opposed to to react to the injuries and stuff that happen. Yeah, yeah. So if you had your time again, so I, I sometimes frame this around where, where your your sort of adult life journey started. So walking into the, the gates of Kapuka or whatever, wherever you think that started, if you could stop yourself and have a chat and say, listen, you need to do this bit differently, mm. um, what would that be? For me, it would have been instead of stuffing around, going in and out of gigs with reserve and doing full-time stuff and then going into other jobs and then going back and forth and not knowing what I want, it would just, for me, it would have been the consistency. Should just join the Army full-time for, for 10 years. I, I still wouldn't change going to the Air Force, do that for, te- do that for 10 years. Yeah. Um, I love defence, wouldn't change it. However, the, the caveat to saying what I said about doing it full-time is I probably wouldn't have met some of those people. Oh, yeah, okay, be different. And, and different those groups. people yeah. have been very influential in my life uh, and they're like brothers, literally like brothers. So that's a hard one. 
if I could take my time back, all it streamlined my life as in staying in the army or staying in the air force. Right. Combination of both. But going in now, it put me back with my defense career once I'd, I end up going full time because I just didn't have that consistency. Yeah. Um, and going in and out of all these like what I could, you know, jobs or small careers, then ending up going back full time in defense once I was older. Yeah. Um, I, I would I, I would like to think I'd change it however like I said with the caveat yeah those mates that that I have they've been a good uh, I, w- I wouldn't probably go back in time to change it because it, I'd risk not meeting those people yeah right yeah yeah well, it's, a, it's a hindsight thing isn't oh, it t- but, to- um, totally but, they're, but good, I, they're, they're, they're good questions I like wondering what people would do yeah. differently because um, you know everyone would do something differently I and, would um, I would probably do more differently with my personal life. Yeah, right. Yeah. With relationships and Yeah. Um yeah. Money. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had I my pissed time a lot of it up at, on the wall. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> those, we're not saying we're tearing up on those weekends. They weren't cheap. They weren't <laughs> I cheap. should be a rich man, but yeah, I ain't. <laughs> yeah. Should have bought into real estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um living for the moment. Yeah. And uh, that that costs that costs money. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly at that time when you really should be squirreling it away. To, yeah, and yeah. a lot of a lot of my mates again surround yourself by good people. Yeah, they balance that work, working full time, investing that money into real estate or whatever. A lot of them owned homes at a very what I'd consider a very young age. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I wouldn't say I was financially mature enough to do that. Yeah, no, I struggled with that. <laughs> anyway, it's been. A real privilege to have you nah, thanks, come on the podcast. Thanks, and actually, you're the first podcast that I've done in the van on the journey. Believe yeah, it or not. A, a, yeah, and so uh, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. Um, it's an ex- it's an excellent van. I'm yeah. jealous. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Let's hope she holds up for another couple of months, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'll drive it into Canberra. But yep. um, anyway, thanks again. Ah, uh, thanks, Matt. Cheers. been listening to the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast, people on their own journey for the awareness of mental health in our first responders. Thanks for listening and please remember to support our foundation by going to the webpage at www.hearttoheartwalk.org. That's www.heart2heartwalk.org or just Google it.